<laughs> Bam, we're live. That was running for a minute, and I was talking, and I didn't even click myself in. I thought I was being cute coming in a minute early today. What have I done? Okay, I got my socks on. You guys missed that. That's the only thing you really missed. Uh, there's no reason for bats this morning. Good morning, Heidi. Brandon G, let's get into this. Yeah, right? You're a good dude. You know. You know. You know who the guest is this morning. I am pumped. This has been in the uh, works for a while. Um, uh, uh, Mr. Officer Brandon Brandon Tatum has been uh, very responsive, um, but just scheduling, it's been crazy. He's he's one of those guys that actually responds in Instagram. Actually, a lot of people respond in Instagram, and it's always uh, quite refreshing. Uh, the guest we're having on today, I don't know if most of you guys know who he is. Let me, um, I'm assuming everyone, I assume everyone knows who he is. Uh, he is a cool cat. And soon as he jumps on, I will, uh, I will dig in and tell him why I think he's so cool, what he's done that I think is so cool. Uh, New York could face decline of workers due to crime. Uh, uh, or should we do this Elon Musk one? Or what's this one over here? I like this expression on his face. This is his most recent post. Let's check it out. Uh-oh, I don't hear anything. Here we go. That's, that's funny. Do you think it's funny? Let's try. Let's try one more time. Hold on. Here we go. Hold on. Okay. Here we go. The leaker is a Republican. Uh, and if I get pregnant during our lovemaking, I will joyfully abort our fetus. I don't think that's funny. Do you think it's funny? Uh oh, here he is. Let's see. Why? Why are we having uh, about this? As if Roe v. Wade is somehow now. Do you know who it is, Mr. Officer Brandon Tatum? Oh my camera, man! Hey, you're frozen. I was like, damn, you look hard this morning. You, but but it's because you're frozen. Yeah, my camera, man. My camera is going to work. At least you have it on. Are you at home? Yeah, I'm, my camera. I don't know for whatever reason. Let me, I'm going to reset my camera real quick. You do. It should start opening it up here soon. All right. I have no idea why it's doing this. but John Bukaria, thank you. This is going to be a good one. This is fun. We get, we're going to just jump in so fucking hard this morning because we don't got a lot of time with the man. He's busy. Holy cow. Uh... Congratulations, Brandon, also on the um, new radio show. It makes me nervous like we're going to lose you. I'm not going to lie. Makes me nervous. Yeah, thank you so much. I, I For some reason, I have no idea why this, <laughs> why this screen is doing this. The good news is, is your voice sounds impeccable. I'm, I'm swooning. <laughs> I'm, even, I'm even swooning a little bit. I'm getting a little hot. I'm getting a little hot. <laughs> 1.9 million YouTube subscribers. Yeah, I wonder what is going on. Uh, Bruce Wayne, quick and fast like Sevon. Thank you. Austin, good to see you, Megan. Good morning. Travis Bellinghausen, good morning. Good morning to all of you guys. The world is getting smaller and smaller and smaller with each guest uh, the Sevon podcast has on. I can't tell you how excited I am. Uh, how about you guys, while we wait for Mr. Tatum to get his camera working, you guys guess what this guy's max back squat is 
lifetime PR. I'll give you a, a, a little bit of help. Uh, he's six two. Uh, I don't know how much he weighs now, but I, I, when when he set that PR, I think he was six two two twenty. So you go ahead and start guessing in the comments what you think his max back squat is. Uh, Mr. Tatum, uh, he's taking over Larry Elder's show. Man, you're skyrocketing. Everybody's skyrocketing. All the homies are killing it. Uh, he's joining uh, the ranks um, with of Charlie Kirk, uh, Dinesh D'Souza, and Dennis Prager. Um, three extremely, extremely articulate men uh, who are very capable of using their logic to enter any conversation and handle their own. And uh, and Mr. Uh, Officer Brandon uh, Tatum also belongs in that category, which I think is why we like him so much because he thinks clearly on his feet. You can put him in any situation and uh, he, he can speak to it. Um, he, he can speak to it with his logic. Two plus two is four. He, do, he doesn't have to defend something that's a lie. We don't have to hear his feelings. He can explain it to you. And whether you agree with him or not, you know where he stands because he explained it to you. No, not 900 pounds, Corey. Not 900 pounds. Uh, uh, oh, I like this. Uh, from Chase Bryan, 750, not 750. Austin Hartman, you're getting close. 560. Yes, six times my back squat. That is a great uh, guess, Devesh. Maharaj. Now here's the thing. Who thinks this show is actually going to happen? Who thinks Brandon's going to actually get his camera going? I don't know. It's, it's very interesting that this camera is not working two years and it never had a problem with this camera. It's hey, really, can you just really, switch your camera choice to the, your computer one? No, it's like I got a whole setup and I got an NDI connection with a TriCaster and all that. I'm wondering if I have to just reset my entire computer. Do it. Do it. Do you do you. We're good. We're yeah, so let me good. reset this thing real quick yep. and I'll be back. Yep, you do it. He said TriCaster. That's hardcore. I uh, oh, I can't wait to ask him about the UFC. He dropped Dana White's name the other day. He was in the front row when uh Tony Ferguson got Kicked in the face by Michael Chandler and KO. Good evening. What are we playing at? How tall is Sevon? No. <laughs> uh, 575, close. He, um, it's, it's somewhere in the 500 range. I think it's in the low 500s, but, but it's, it's pretty crazy. And he, and he was, uh, position did he play in football? Like it matters to me. He's, he was one of the guys that runs and tackles you. How's that? How's that? can't even remember the last time I back squatted. I only front squat. <laughs> um, this guy has a 1.9 Brandon officer. Brandon Tatum has 1.9, uh, or eight, nine uh, million YouTube subscribers. Um, he came onto my radar in 2020. Uh, he just tells it like it is. And I think that's been extremely refreshing, but there is a specific reason why it's refreshing. And uh, we'll get into that. Four pages of notes. Anything over two means I'm nervous. Do I seem nervous? Oh, my goodness. That kick. What kick? Mena Jawatawa. I don't know what that is. Melissa came in spitting fire. Uh Oh, good evening. What are we playing? Oh, great. 
it's not her. She's not the one I'm worried about. Is it Elisa? One of these, one of these girls is brutal. Or is it Trina? One of these girls just, just is like a dude. She got, she got no, 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 uh, no hold back in her. Man, um, there's this show on. There's this show on YouTube. Uh, Hans goes on it a lot. It's called the Tony. Tony Fire Show. Tony, it's a show out of Austin. They claim it's the most widely watched live YouTube show on YouTube. It's a comedian show. It's a shot out of Texas. I can't remember. Tony something. Tony something. And someone will say it in the comments. And holy shit, those guys are savage. They had a they had a lady comedian up on stage when they were in San Francisco, and they just unloaded on her. Kill Tony. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Also have Hans coming back on the show, which is kind of exciting. Uh, Hinchcliffe, Tony, kill Tony. Oh, hin, hin, is that Hinchcliffe? One of you guys uh, in my DMs told me you went and saw Joe Rogan live, and Tony opened for him. This is just like last week when I was in Colorado. I got the DM, and that um, Tony was better than uh, Joe Rogan. I don't really find that show funny. I, that show for every like 20 jokes told on that show, I think one is good. And I get it. Maybe that's kind of the um part of the show that's cool because they're just live and they're just going at it. It reminds me of um sort of being in the eighth, ninth, tenth grade, and and the boys would sit around in a circle and we would just all we called it cap sessions. Everyone would cap C A P on each other. Cap. Capping. You should ask Brandon if he did that. Cap sessions. Like we just sit around and just rip dudes. There were never any girls in the cap sessions. I wonder if I wonder if Officer uh, Tatum did that. There he is. Oh, look, he's animated. Oh, he switched his background. All right, I'm here like a liberal tear. Okay, I'm back. Uh, when you were a young man in the hi, how are you? Good, good. How you doing? I dick fucking in love with you. When you were in the eighth grade, ninth grade, tenth grade, did you and the um, boys sit around and have what we I, we used to call them cap sessions? There'd be like ten of you in someone's living room, and do you know what a cap session is? Capping? Uh-uh. That's not a okay. I'm fifty. <laughs> maybe you guys didn't do. Maybe you called some of us. You just you just ripped on each other, ripped on oh. each other's moms, clothes. Oh, yeah. Just f- everyone's just fucking everyone up. Yes, yes, all the time. We used to and do there, it all the time. And there's like one or two dudes who are smart and just stay out of it. Yes. They're just not good at it, and they stay. And occasionally, like, just something flies over and drills them, like a, a comment or two. Yep. But they, they just stay cool. They normally sit in the background, and laugh, and try yeah, to, yeah. Try they not to laugh too hard. They don't. They don't want them. There, there is um. Every when I hear um, uh, you were on a podcast with a Navy SEAL host, and his question to you was, "What are the stereotype? What are your favorite stereotypes or most?" accurate stereotypes, whatever he said of people, of black people and white people. I understand his question. Here's the, and I don't know if it's a problem. I understand his question, but the thing is, is that there's no characteristic that comes with being black or white. And that's where we're stuck. There's no characteristic that comes with being black or white, except your relationship with the sun. Zero. And I spent a ton of time in Africa and that's how I know that we just have different cultures here. And for yeah. some reason, we keep fucking talking about everyone because by their skin color. Go on. You, you go. Yeah, no, no. I think that, you know, you have to be a delusional person or a person that's misinformed or brainwashed to believe that color has anything to do with anything. 
yeah. you know, and, and people except get, for the sun, though, right? Like you and I, our skins do respond to the sun differently, right? Right, right. I mean, yeah. When you, when you talk about biology, you're talking about yeah. uh, you know melanin in the skin and different things like that. I mean, and and that's that varies too. I mean, you could be a light skinned person that's receptive to tanning. Some people burn, you know, and you could right, be white. Right. And, and there's there's black people who are light skinned that that are considered black, but they're light skinned, so they burn. Darker skin people don't burn, you know, in the sun. So it, it color makes zero. It has nothing to do with nothing, in my opinion, for the most part. The difference is culture. And what people have to understand is that there is a culture that some people buy into. And unfortunately, there's a, uh, I would say, a large amount of black people that buy into a particular culture, which make people believe that that's black culture. And that's not and, and what is it if it's not black culture? I'm guilty of that. I'll say yeah, that. I'll say that. Called, what is that? Well, in the, in the earlier stages of when America was being developed, it's called redneck culture. Okay. And, you know, this is something. Oh, that, I like it. I this like is something it. that Thomas Sowell uh, wrote in his book, The the uh, Black Redneck and, and White Liberal. It talks about all of the 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 entertainment and, and uh, you know, promiscuity and all of these different things that in a lot of inner cities you see it originated from Europe. It came here in the form of the white redneck. And then in many of these situations, white people begin to move on from that culture. And then black people begin to adopt the culture after slavery. And that's what, that's why we see this type of, this type of mentality. Unfortunately, it's associated with black people. Black culture has changed over the years in the thirties, black people, by and large, did not act the way you see today. Saggy pants. And I'm not saying this is all black people. I'm just saying in right, general, right, right. some of these stereotypes that we see, sagging pants, gang activity, the, the violent music being known for entertainment and, and, and playing sports. And that that's that's a more modern phenomenon of a behavior that we see in black people. It used to not be that way. You know, children out of wedlock used to not be the case in the in the quote unquote black community. Uh, abortions was not the case. We were not, we were believed in God more. All of the things that you see today that have infiltrated into the black community is not what black people used to, you know, be like. Uh, I had never, I never knew that came from Europe. Yeah. I mean, Thomas so said in his book, he has a lot of references there and, and, you know, I tend to believe what he has to say. So yes. Me he too. brought it up. I forget what parts of, of Europe, uh, but he brought up how back in Europe, there was this whole, uh, I would say, underbelly of society where it, it wasn't necessarily all negative, but it was filled with gambling and entertainment and, you know, kind of like the, you know, how we see people that are smoking weed and doing all this stuff that was originally from like a European ideology. Those Europeans came over here. And typically associated with poverty, you know, and they came over here and then the white people started doing it here. And and then, you know, black people adopted it through slavery. And then some black people have grown out of it like myself. I don't I don't I don't consider myself to be a part of a lot of the quote unquote black culture today, because I want to just make this clear because I don't want to take what I'm saying out of context. There's no such thing as black culture. There's a particular culture that some black people adopt. And, mm -hmm. and that's kind of what we see today. And and, and 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 I think what you I asked you what would you call that culture and you said redneck culture, yeah, based on Thomas Sowell's ideology of the book. Now, tell know, me the name of the book one more time. It's called Black Redneck and White Liberal. Okay, I'm gonna read that today. 
and then I'm going to start if 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 I um if I see that too, which I think I'm going to, I'm going to start just using that redneck culture. I'm going to start using that. Yeah, yeah, it's you know, that's that's kind In of the academic like, sense. You know, yeah, academics. When you break it down and you look at it academically, when you look at it yeah. historically, that's what it is. You know, you look at it now. You know, people like to associate it with poverty, which is which is kind of what it what it is and how it manifests today. Is that most of the the deg- the degradation of culture happens um, in these impoverished areas? And I had this conversation with a few of my friends the other day. It's it's kind of like the concept of which came first, the the egg or the chicken, mm-hmm. and which came first, poverty or bad behavior. And, you know, it's kind of this vicious cycle. It's like people who have bad behavior typically are in poverty. People who are in poverty typically have bad behavior. And it's this vicious cycle that just keeps going around. And it manifests today uh, in a lot of these inner cities and and, and, and poorer communities, not just black communities. Where, where did you grow up? Where were you born? I was born in Fort Worth, Texas. And then were you raised there? Yep. Raised there until I was 18. And we lived in various parts of Fort Worth, Texas. I graduated from Paul Lawrence Dunbar High School which is in stop six, Texas, right in the hood. Uh, um, the, the reason, and, and I'm open to being uh, totally uh, wrong about this, um, that I think most people um, gravitate towards uh, officer Brandon Tatum is because of this. Uh, first and foremost, um, when he speaks, it's logical. So, so he, he's, he's transparent that. And so if you have a, if you have a beef with what he's saying, or if you want to come at it, you can, you don't have to um, try to address something that's ambiguous. Um, There's no, there's no word fuckery. There's no word trickery, you know? um, And, and he, even though I don't agree with him, uh, uh, although I don't believe in God myself. uh, And when he talks about God, he's completely transparent about that. It's all, it's all just beautiful honesty. It's what, it's what makes, it it makes him extremely attractive. That being said, the savior component to him is I grew up in the Bay area. I was born in Oakland children's hospital and I grew up in the Bay area. And uh, the worst thing you could call and, and it's beyond and I didn't know this growing up there, but it's beyond liberal. And the worst thing you could call anyone in the Bay Area. And I don't know if it's particularly in this order, but the and it's so bad that people walk around terrified of being called a racist. I was born in 1972 and it was the most scary thing that could ever happen to you. And then, of course, there was pedophile and rapist. No one wants to be yeah. those. Um, and then and then all of a sudden. um uh, it started being thrown around. People started being called a racist and you couldn't even come to their defense if they weren't racist because you were so scared it would, it would land on you. And unfortunately it required someone with um, melanated skin with black skin to come up and, and I'm just going to say it to save these fucking white people to save the people who were fucking terrified. No, I'm, I'm not racist. I swear you are. You just don't fucking know it. And people like Candace, and, and here's the paradox. People like Candace, people like Officer Brandon Tatum, uh, um, uh, uh, the token black guy, um, these guys, they're saviors to, to, to kind of innocent people who, who, um, who are just terrified. They're scared. They're absolutely fucking scared. And the only reason why I can speak on is because I was canceled. If I wasn't canceled, I would fucking be scared too, hiding in the fucking bushes. And so, and, and so, on behalf of all of the us who were, are fucking terrified or were terrified, thank you. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, and yeah. and I think that it, it goes in cycles, right? I mean, when you look at 
this historically from the aspect of the United States of America. Um, you got to think when, when black African slaves came to the United States of America, there were white people who saved them. That's pretty much what happened. You know, you had the, the, uh, the Christians, people who were believers, um, who were, uh, coming and helping people like Harriet Tubman and others to free the slaves. They never believed in slavery. Um, when you talk about, when you go down in history, you look at the Republican party. You, when you look at the civil rights movement, when you look at the, the civil rights act, when you look at the voting act, all of these different things, white Republicans, initially white Republicans were responsible for giving black people the freedoms, well, I would say giving them the free, acknowledging their freedoms, because freedoms come from God. They don't come from the government. Yes, but acknowledging the freedoms of black people from slavery, giving them citizenship in the United States of America and allowing them to have the right or observe the right to vote again, because black people used to be able to vote when voting was measured based on property ownership. And then, uh, you know, it, it was taken away and it was returned back to where black people could did have the free right or the equal right to vote. I mean, I didn't all know of this, that. I had no idea. This, yeah, all of this was white people helping black people in a situation where you have a the availability to help. And that's what happened. Good white people. I mean, and then you go down, you know, go down the, the history lane until today. And you see that black people like myself who are not absorbed in propaganda and not brainwashed, we are now stepping to the defense or speaking on behalf of our brothers and sisters who happen to be white because I, I do it all the time. I'm like, I'm a, I'm a very impartial person. And a lot of that comes because my faith in God, I, I'm, I'm an impartial person. Like I don't care nothing about a color of somebody's skin. I care about what's right and what's wrong. And if something is wrong, I'm going to correct it. And if somebody's doing right, I'm going to support them. It doesn't matter what color they are, where, where, where they come from. And that's my philosophy. And that's the philosophy that has gotten us as Americans to this point today is that there's always people who observe good and who's willing to preserve the things that are right. And it goes, it ebbs and flows. And I think black people are, have a, a duty. I don't say a duty, I don't owe anybody anything, but you, it, it, it's, a, it's almost a duty and responsibility to say, you know what, that's wrong what they're doing to white people, just like I agree. Wrong what they were doing to black people back in the day. I I, um, I I I agree with you. I think I think people with melanated skin have a fucking duty too. The same way I think obese people have a duty to say to speak up and say it's not COVID that's killed anyone. It's the fact that I've been eat, drinking six cokes a day for the last thirty years, smoking fucking jewels, and eating a six pack of donuts for breakfast. And please don't quarantine any healthy people who don't who take care of themselves and value their existence. I right. think I think I think I think I think. Uh, I think um, we need an obese person to step up in that in that same way and become a superhero. I've talked about it on my show a million times. We we, we got we got um, uh, black skin people doing that. Why why don't we have some really unhealthy motherfuckers standing up for those of us who fucking have no fear of COVID? Because because no one healthy has died. Yeah, for the most part, you know, yeah. it's not attacking people. It's just, you know, it, it, we knew this from the very beginning. That's why it's complete bullcrap what we see going on today. And I hope these people go to prison. You know, they they do you think they will? Down. No. I don't think that they will. I think that they should. Uh, it's a possibility that they could. But, you know, the way our country works and the way our government system is set up in, in this fraudulent Ponzi scheme manner, um, I don't think we have control like we think we do. And I, I think right. that there's people that are have a legacy control over our country that is never going to change. I mean, unless they all die off and, and that's not going to happen. Uh, but, 
you know, I, I think it was all bull crap, man. They knew from the very beginning. I knew probably you knew most people with common sense knew that it was an attack on people who had a weak immune system, people who were obese, comorbidities. We already see the CDC talks about the comorbidities. I think it was like five or more comorbidities in the in, in the, most of the people who had died from COVID. We already knew this fact. We already knew the same people are dying or relatively the same people are dying from the flu every year. More people die from obesity every year, heart, heart failure. I mean, all of these different things that go on with bad, poor health. Some people are elderly. They can't control their health to a certain degree. They're just up in age and it's about that time. And the COVID monster got them. We already knew that's what it was. Young children and people who are, who are healthy, generally speaking, they had no fear of dying. Now you're going to get it. I got it. My wife got it. I got um, it. Yeah, so probably most people on here got it to some form or fashion. And I guess if you didn't, you don't know you got it, maybe you were asymptomatic. 80%, so 80%. Right. Most of us got it and we recovered from it. It was no different than the flu. Maybe a little bit more residual effects for some people, maybe no effect in some people. My wife had nothing. She just lost her taste buds. I mean, I was laying up for a couple of days. And so it's bull crap. And they know it. They used it to destroy this country. And I know people think it's cons it's a conspiracy theory, but it's not. They used it to destroy our country. They used it to manipulate currency. They they used it to get Donald Trump out of office. They used it to, to get the election the way they wanted it this time, which got a half dead man uh, in, in, in the office of president of the presidency. We Do you know some people wrong. don't know? Do you know some people don't know how bad he is? Like I, I, I live in a, in the liberal hive and I go, so how do you think about uh, Joe Biden? They're like, fine. I'm like, are you concerned about his health at all? They're like, no, why? Like, they don't know that they don't know. He's dead. He's he's a dead man walking. I remember when I was playing football and uh, we had weights at 5 a.m. And if you weren't there before they started, the coach would yell out as you walk in, dead man walking, dead man walking. <laughs> you had to get on the treadmill for an hour um, and then you had to go and finish the work. I mean, you had to go and start the next group workout. And the workouts were enough to kill you by itself. So doing an hour on the Stairmaster before was was literally you felt like you were a dead man walking. And that's exactly what Joe Biden is. He's a dead man walking. Literally, he cannot speak. He cannot complete sentences. He can't even read a teleprompter. He's out of control. He's a, he has early signs of mental degradation. I mean, some people think it's, it's potentially dementia. His mind is going. He used to not be like this. And, and anybody who's intellectually honest or at least have common sense, will look at the old videos of, of Joe Biden and he was pretty sharp. He was an idiot. I think he was evil. He was a racist, but he was pretty sharp. And and yeah, I, and how like, do people not see how racist he is? Well, he's he's like he's one of the most racist. I mean, it's very weird how people are so easily confused and and, and lied to and manipulated, and they believe it. Joe Biden did the eulogy of a of a guy who was a former Klan's member. Robert Byrd was a former Klan's member. He was a part of the Ku Klux Klan. Uh, Joe Biden did his, his eulogy. Uh, Can you his, imagine his, if Trump did that? Can oh you God. imagine? Oh Dude, if Trump, if Trump watched, it watched a Ku Klux Klan member on television when he was three, they would, they would call him a racist. You know, and that's, that's what they did in, in the 94 crime bill. Now, I don't think the 94 crime bill was a racist crime bill. Um, and people like to conflate racism with racial uh, uh, I wouldn't say discrimination, but disparity. They like to conflate the two, which I don't think they're related. However, if you want to push um, negative effects on, on minority communities based on policies, 
Joe Biden authored the 94 crime bill, which put a, a whole bunch of African-American men in prison. I mean, we can go down the list. He told uh, Charlemagne, the, I don't want to call him the guy because he ain't a God at all. But the guy named Charlemagne on the Breakfast Club, he interviewed Joe Biden. And Joe Biden said, if you don't know if you want to vote for me or Trump, then you ain't black. Hey, I grew up hearing that, by the way, just so you know, from from when I was five years old to when I could listen to till I was 30. That is just that is the exact sentiment of everyone in the Bay Area who's a liberal that one. They feel sorry for anyone who's not white. And that's why there's one. And that's the crazy part. They feel sorry, and so they hide behind this um, uh, um, fake benevolence, this fake kindness. That that is the liberal. I, um, this metaphor I like to use a lot, um, Brandon, is uh, um, li- liberals um, are. Let's say we're all sitting at the beach. There's 500 of us packed in at the beach, right? And a seagull flies over. The liberal is the one that's like, "Oh, I'm going to do something good and feed the seagull a piece of bread." One, it's bad for the seagull. Two, it brings 10,000 seagulls. And they shit on everyone and ruin everything for everyone. And then, and if you get upset, they're like, I'm feeding animals. You're a bad person. And it's like, no, actually, you fucked up the whole ecosystem and you got everyone shit on. That's why those cities are all fucked up, by the way. Portland, San Francisco, Los Angeles, Seattle, because liberals feed seagulls. That's what they do. They feed seagulls. And, and, and And they make everyone around them weak. That's why they make weak men, too. And, and, I'm a, and, I, and I'm a product of that. And, and, and were, were you born? Are you born? Were you born into a, a liberal? Was your family Democrats? No, no. My, my family voted Democrat or they were believed that they were Democrats by proxy. Right. But we, we, we grew up conservative. I mean, my, my father didn't play that. My dad was a strong man. He went to work every day, busting his tail and we'll get toe up. And when I say toe up, we got whoopings. How come he didn't fall for the propaganda? Why wasn't he like, hey, Republicans hate black people, blah, 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 blah. I think I think my father did a little bit, you know, you know, because he voted for Biden. He voted for uh, I don't know if he voted for uh, Hillary when Trump ran, Mm -hmm. but I know he voted for Biden. and, and, And for some reason, he's not completely sold out. Right. My my father is conservative. He just don't know it, you know, and I think my dad is bought into the little bit of the propaganda. I think he's changed now, obviously, since I've been doing what I'm doing. Um, but he bought it. That's cool. Propaganda. That's cool. By the way, congratulations. That's that must feel good. Yeah. Yeah. It, it it does. You know, because I respect my father, my father's a respectable man. So it's not like me and him get into these arguments. It's like when I put out an argument there, whether my dad wants to believe it or not, he he end up coming around and saying, you know what? That's that's logical. That's common sense. You know, he talk about Joe Biden all the time now. Like, man, what the what, the, what is this guy doing? The LGBTQ plus IA. Um, that whole group, my dad is like, what, what, this is not right. You know, the NAACP chapter that he, he was a part of an NAACP chapter where he lived. And he said he had to get out of there because they was pushing it. They were pushing the LGBTQ agenda. And so my dad is not dumb. And I think a lot of black people are like my father. When I was growing up, man, black people were not for none of this stuff I see today. All these blue haired, crazy liberals, black people would, when I was growing up around black people, that it, it, it was it was unacceptable. This whole LGBTQ stuff and, tra- and, and tra- transgender and bigenders and binaries and queers and all this. Black people were never accepting of it. Even other gay black people in the community. You couldn't come out as gay in the black community. You couldn't. You would get made fun of. You get shunned. So, you know, to see some of this stuff today and, and how people have in, in some ways acquiesced um, to the the evilness of the Democrats is just beyond me. 
And and I'm not trying to act like I'm holier than thou and I'm up on a high horse because I used to be that way too. I right. thought I I was just I was just ill-informed and I didn't have all the information possible to make a good decision. I thought Republicans were racist white people because because when Me you, too. I was raised that way. I was raised that way. Right. When you turn on the news, you think that the news is the news. You think that you're looking at people who are, are being intellectually honest and they don't have an agenda. They're just telling you what's happening in the world. And then you find out that it is not the case at all. These people are getting paid to make a certain perspective or, or to hold a certain perspective. You know, every day I, I download all the news apps and I look at them to get information. And do, it is it is as clear as the noonday sun that liberal media outlets are completely biased. They are absolutely, completely not hiding it. A 100 percent bias. They are far more biased than Fox News. Now, obviously, Fox News is conservative. They're going to push conservative stories. CNN, MSNBC, all of the are completely biased. Literally, Jesus of Nazareth could come down from heaven and anoint Donald Trump in front of the world. And liberals, CNN wouldn't even hold the story. They, they wouldn't even carry the story. And that would be the biggest story heard around the world. They will literally not have that story because Donald Trump is in it. I mean, it it is. Look at them now. Elon Musk was their favorite. And now he, them, you know, he's, he's ready to acquire Twitter. And now they hate him. He's a right wing extremist now. Are you shadow banned on any of these accounts? For the most part. I mean, I, I, you know, who, who knows? I, I don't really know. I think I am. I think that there's levels of shadow ban. What do you mean? You you don't. I mean, like people can't. Every day, someone sends me a screenshot of, "Hey, yeah. I tried to tag you, and I and I got a warning saying you're a piece of shit." You know? Yeah, yeah. It it happens to me too. Um, people are unsubscribed to me and stuff, and I, and like, I'm trying not to be so um, caught up in it that I forget that maybe I need to make good, better content because there is mm. some levels to it, right? Because. Wow. There is an algorithm thing. There's content. There's consistency, and that will make you show up in the algorithm better. Now, that's an element, and then also there's a shadow ban element. And some people, they are so worried about shadow banning that they don't realize they're just not putting out enough content. They're not putting out enough quality content. They're not talking about the subject that people that follow them are interested in. And I want to make mm. sure that I know which side I stand on before I pick one side or the other. You know, I don't want to say it's content is content and I'm actually getting shadow banned. Which, I can't even tag myself on my other accounts. Yeah. That, my, my, okay. I, I have, everybody has experienced this and I, and I, I witnessed it with my own eyes on Instagram. Everybody went through a, a period of getting shadow banned. Um, there were, there's a, there's a group of guys that post memes I forget the the channel's name now, uh, but post memes. The guy reached out to me, B. What what can I do, man? I'm li- I'm getting killed, man. Like I I get no traction, and I'm talking about these people will get millions of views per all their videos, and yeah. they were down to like sixty thousand views, hundred thousand views on their videos. And I remember him messaging me, and I felt the same pressure. Like I was losing followers, I wasn't gaining anything, in, like for months. And then all of a sudden. He he messaged me back like, oh, it looked like they lifted the mandate. I gained like 10,000 followers w- within a couple of days. Yeah. All of my videos were getting 200, 300,000 views. His was back up to a million, two million, three million views. And it's like there were that there, there was something there. For sure. Everybody was feeling like, man, we're getting shadow banned. And they, and they released it and everybody's accounts blew up. And so there's a there, it, it is happening. If people don't want to believe it, that's on them. 
Well, it's funny because I put if you try to follow me, you'll get a warning saying, "Hey, are you sure you want to follow this account? It gives you a lot of misinformation." And then if you try to tag me, I'll be, I'll be, uh, you can't tag me. I'll be, I'll just be light. And um, and people send me that every single day. Mm-hmm. And then occasionally someone will send me a DM saying, "Oh, you're finally popped up in my story again. Mm-hmm. The shadow ban's been." Um, released but it's not that it's been released basically what they're doing is it's revolving they just let a little trickle in and they revolve the people who can who can see my account and yeah it's interesting i I don't really care though i mean because that's not my i just use my account to troll people that i want to have on my show do you know what i mean i just so so like i'm not i i've surrendered to the fact that instagram or or social media is not going to be how i'm going to get out there yeah, you know, and I and I try to balance it, right? Um, because I have, you know, I'm trying to get to a million on all my platforms. And so I try to balance it. There's a lot of things that I want to say. Why are you doing that? Just for fun, just as a as a like the same reason why you try to get a five hundred pound back squat, or is there some sort of <laughs> to, like, to get into a million? Yeah, like why do you want a million Instagram followers, a million Facebook, a million? I mean, I mean, yeah, you already it's, have it's, almost it's in, two million on YouTube. Yeah, it's influence. It's influence. Um, I want to be able to get the word out to as many people as possible. And the more traction I get on all social media platforms, the more I can reach people. And I try to balance it because I know if I say certain things on YouTube, I will lose my entire channel instantaneously. And so I have to measure in my mind. I say I'm reaching 20, 25, 30 million people a month on my YouTube channel. Is it worth me saying something that then I reach nobody? Yeah. It's so I it's it's a it's an equivalent to balance, even on other social media platforms. Do I talk about Mike Lindell in the election? Well, maybe I can do it offline, maybe I can do it in my speeches when I go around the country, maybe I can do it on Rumble, but I'm not gonna touch that on my platform. So the election I can't to lose it. The um, uh, Alex Stein was on the other day. Do you know who that is? He just yeah, signed with yeah. Blaze Tom, TV. Tom Stein. Yeah. Um. He he was on the other day, and he was telling me you can't talk about two thousand mules on YouTube, or else you could lose your channel. Is that true? Well, they banned the two thousand mules Twitter account instantly on Twitter. Yeah, you can if you talk about twenty uh, two thousand mules. And I and by the way, I saw the I was at the premiere of that movie, and it'll blow your freaking socks off. But you can't talk about it, and I know you can't talk about it on YouTube. I'm not going to even attempt to do it. Now, wow. there's other platforms like Rumble, Truth Social, and some of these other things that people can talk about on, but they, they, it's, something, it's something in the water, and I'm hoping that we transition power to back to the Republicans and we can get a hold of this stuff because I watched the documentary. It's proven evidence that there were mules taking ballots and dumping them in the ballot boxes and stuff. They got camera. They got evidence of them. They got geo-tracking. It is unequivocal um, that this is evidence of voter fraud. Clearly. Massive, massive voter fraud. Ma- massive. You're talking 400 some thousand. I mean, I think it's more than that. Over 400,000 illegal votes that were cast that we have. You got to think. They had a very strict uh, 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 algorithm or, or monitoring system that they allotted, right? They had the geo tracking, which comes from your phone. Everywhere you go, your phone tracks you. And, and people can buy that information. Right. Companies buy it. Um, you wow. Know, if you had enough money, you can buy GeoTrack. Everybody that showed up at the front door of Target in the last 24 hours. Wow. You can, buy, you can GeoTrack that. That's awesome. So they GeoTrack th- these things and they got all of these individuals who went from uh, nonprofits to 
the uh, uh, voting stations or whatever. It's like a, a ballot drop boxes. Yep. And, but they they ramped up the criteria. Like the people that they were able to monitor and count had to go to like six of these nonprofits and straight to a, a ballot box and within like a day or something of that nature. So it was probably a lot more people than the 2,000 mules that they had mentioned, but they made it to where it is absolutely undeniable that these 2,000 people were actively involved in something that was complete voter fraud, legally voter fraud, because you cannot, you know, take people's ballots and people can't pay you to, to go drop the ballots off. They were taking, when they drop off all these ballots, they were taking pictures of the, the boxes to show proof so they can get paid for doing it. It was, it was out of control. And we know now why all of, in the swing states, why they stopped voting. And all of a sudden, Donald Trump was winning by hundreds of thousands of votes. And then all of a sudden, there's he's he's losing. Yeah, you that know? was weird how it just all happened all of a sudden at once, like overnight. It was bull crap, man. It never happened in the history of in the history of our country. That has never happened where they stopped the vote like that. Never in the history of our country. Never in the history of our country has a president lost an election that won all but one Bellwether, Bellwether County. There's never in history that an incumbent president got 10, 20 million more votes. Or I think it's like 11 million more votes or so and didn't win. There's no time in history that a president won the states that Donald Trump won and didn't win the election. Wow. It has never happened in the history of the United States of America. And, you know, people are just they just don't want to see it for whatever reason. It's so it's so or do they implicate anyone in the movie? Like, do they point the finger like, hey, this was done by, um, you know, yeah, Joey, the, Joey Z Zuckerberg money. Like they, they 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 spoke like Zuckerberg put like four hundred some million dollars into the election uh, in 2020. And they they pretty much articulated that, you know, it, it seems like it was philanthropic. Right. It, it was that he was doing it to make sure people can vote and make right. sure there's bo polling stations. But they but they articulated very clearly that that money was then transferred into this dark area in politics where you're paying for mules and all this other nefarious things that are happening. The, the, the shell is that, look, he's sending it here for philanthropic purposes. But behind the scenes, his money was going to this dark place and he knew it and they knew it and everybody else knew it. It was a funnel. It's like when people launder money through nonprofits or whatever. Just so or the, they or the Ukraine or Ukraine. Like hey, how come they can't re? How come they can't re reverse engineer it? So they got the license plate number. They got a picture of the guy. Why don't they go to that dude's house and be like, "Hey, who hired you? You know, dude, it, you used to be a police officer. Why why can't they do just do some?" And by the way, it's really it, on a total side note. It's so impressive that they did that. You would think an election would be stole like high tech. The fact that they did this with human beings is mind boggling to me. Just old fashioned cheating. I think they did a lot of different things. This is just okay. one extra. I think they okay. put our hands on deck, man. Okay. They were getting dead people to vote. They were they were taking ballots from people in nursing homes that were completely um, you know, they they're pretty much incapacitated to a certain degree. Um they were taking their ballots. I think there was machines that had issues. We saw people loading multiple in, in at the voting places in these swing states. So um, and I think that the mule thing is an, is is one of the probably the easiest way in the, in the way they multiplied what they did um, to to just drip drip these ballots into the system, and then at the last minute they counted all these ballots up because they were showing 
like 400,000 of these ballots that were done. But, you know, they had to do this because the American people were, was never going to vote for another Democrat ever again um, as a whole. They were never going to Democrat would never get in office again after Trump, because we realized that Trump exposed Republicans and Democrats. Right. You say this dude have never been in politics. He gets in the office and he does everything he said he was going to do for the most part. How how does Bush not do what he said he's going to do? How did Obama not do everything he claimed that he was going to do? How is this? How is this even possible? This 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 billionaire guy is literally accomplishing and doing every everything without a filter to benefit America for the most. What's, what's your favorite thing he did? I mean, I, it's it's so many, man. I, I mean, from from him running for office and him standing bold and strong. I mean, there's a few things. I, I think building the wall was a good thing that he did. And, and people don't live on the southern border. They don't live in border states. They don't understand how important they don't is. understand. I have, I have a lot me. of friends now in Texas, and they tell me that that it's fucking scary living oh, next to the border. It's out of control. Like if you live in New York, you you really don't see the influx. You live somewhere in Texas. I mean, you, these tens of thousands of migrants are coming through our border every day. It's I mean, nice. you got millions of people that have been poured through here in the last several years. Like, where do you think they're going? You think they just vanish in the thin air? They're showing up in people's communities. They're showing up and, and, and saturating the system. Just like, you know, when they said COVID, they were like, oh, COVID, you know, it has hurt the healthcare system. We're, our, our beds are overloaded. <laughs> you know why? Because you have a whole bunch of illegal people in our country that are unaccounted for, meaning they don't show up on the census. We think that we have this amount of population and this percentage of population gets sick. We can handle it in, in, in the system, in our healthcare system. No, we can't because we got millions of people that's not even on the on the record. You think illegal aliens didn't get sick? Okay, they get sick and they come over here sick, and they go to our hospitals and get free health care. So anyway, I was I was really I was really disappointed when uh, Trump never said that this is a disease of the unhealthy and that when he got COVID oh, he didn't oh. lose weight. I would have loved it if he'd have lost some weight. I'd have loved it if he got on a treadmill. Trump, Trump. You know, let me let me say this about Trump, and I love but, Trump, and I just saw yeah. him just recently. The way he handled COVID, I, I was very disappointed in, at this whole thing. Now, I know he, he was only certain things he could and couldn't do, right? I mean, right, right. And he was under it, a lot of pressure, too. He's under a lot of pressure. I mean, what does the guy do? You know, he's got a p- pandemic that these people are just putting out there as a pandemic. He has to do something. He can't just sit on his hands because he may have believed that people were going to die like they like they had lied to us and said. But, but you know, also, I felt like that a lot of uh, some of this has to be attributed to Trump to a certain degree. Because Operation Warp Speed pushed these vaccines in the, in the place. And I knew at the very beginning, I said, if this man don't get reelected, the left is going to use this against us. I know it. Trump should not do this until he get reelected. And then he can try to roll out stuff because then he can control it. No, nope, right. he pushed it out there. And then he was coming out on a circuit and saying, this is the greatest thing, greatest invention ever right. was the vaccine. And he telling everybody to get vaccinated. All his kids got vaccine boosted and it's like, dude, I I I don't know if Junior got the vax. Junior got the vax. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, I saw okay, I saw okay. Ivanka get the vax. I can't imagine Junior doing that. Yeah, Junior may not have gotten it. I think He's Ivanka did it. Maybe his other son did it. I just know Ivanka did it because I was following right. her and I saw her right. get the shot and she was posting about please get the shot and I, I almost threw up in my mouth. So um, I feel I sorry for like anyone that. who got it. I feel sorry for anyone who got it. And I think well, they feel sorry for themselves too. Well, Everyone I know who got it, they're bummed. 
because you don't know what's going to happen, man. My yeah. dad and him got it. And I, and I told him, I said, dad, don't get no more than vaccines. You know, now he get it. And like, I ain't getting no boosters. But, you know, it's like, we don't know what's going to happen. You know, that's somebody that came out and made a wild statement and said, everybody in the next five years is going to die who got the vaccine. Now, I find that hard to believe because you talk about half of America be dead um, in five years. And that, that is just impossible. I just don't think that's even. Hey, but if I would have told you that the president of the United States was going to nominate a Supreme Court justice based on her genitalia yeah. and her skin color 10 years ago, you would have fucking bitch slapped me. Oh, yeah. I would have. You would have been a real racist. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. But, and, and, and yet and yet we just saw it get done. We saw it's nuts. Hold on. God dog it. All right. Did that, that fix? Hey, that fix what it? do you, uh, can I ask you a private question? Yeah, sure. What are you doing in 11 minutes? Am I going to lose you? Hold on. Let me look. I think I'm good into a little bit because I got something else. Okay. When you have to go, just tell me because I'll, because I'll, I'll never let go of you. But my producer's like, hey, dude, you got 11 minutes. Hurry the fuck oh, up. Oh, yeah. No, no. I'm, I'm good to go. I have to be somewhere at 10 a.m. So I got about, I got about a half an hour more. I can do a half an hour to an hour more. You're a good dude. You're yeah. good. I, my, oh, bladder, I, I my bladder will pop in an hour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh. Who show? Who show? Were you on that you had to go to the bathroom? The the worst. Is there one? No, I don't. I don't. I don't know. Let me think oh. about it. Ma- maybe never, your I, own show. I, I bust. Yeah, my own show. I literally was had to pee my whole show when I did a live stream with my friends for like two hours. Uh. I, I actually got up and went to the restroom halfway through the show. Like, yeah, I do that. So, I but uh, one, one embarrassing moment, I was on I was on Judge Janine Pirro's show, and I and my pants ripped, and it was embarrassing. Now I wasn't hey five hundred pound back squat that ass got to rip something. Them, th- them thighs don't lie, man. Yeah. Pop right, yeah. pop right through my little uh, uh, yeah. suit pants. <laughs> Thank God I wasn't live on her show because you know it ripped all the way down the back, man. My whole butt was hanging out, and so that was embarrassing. I guess I'll tell you a peace story that most people don't know. And if, if anybody on the police department can ever find this video, it'll be viral. I peed. I, I literally peed my pants while I was on duty one time. And it was, it was embarrassing. So I will tell you how it happened. I had to pee really bad. I was working out heavy at the time and I was drinking a lot of water. So, you know, of course, when you drink a lot of water, your bladder is, is like, were you carrying you know, the gallon around? You were yep, doing that carrying the gallon yep. around in my car. I would, just chug, shit. I would yep. just chug it right in between calls. And cause I was, I was drinking, I was, doing protein and i was just like man i want to stay hydrated get big and so i had to pee like a racehorse man and, and i'm and i'm going back to the substation to go use the restroom i'm literally like i'm i'm turning the blind out of every crime i see because i got to go to bed i get to an intersection in a in a missing child a missing juvenile i see her right on the corner oh, she's no. missing and I, i'm like there's no way I can't, I can't just pass her up. She's a missing kid that, that's on our flyers. So I stop and I put her in the car and I'm calling for backup. I'm like, hey, you know, is any unit available to, you know, the 84 me, me to support me? I couldn't tell him right away. I got to go to the restroom, man. I'm texting the dispatcher on my computer. Like, I got to go to the bathroom. Please get somebody to help. Me. Oh, you even said that to her. Yeah. I mean, I, I typed it on the computer. Yeah. yeah right. So everybody didn't hear it. But I'm like texting yeah. the dispatcher, like, please get some units available. I, I need to go to the bathroom bad. I cannot hold this kid with me. And so, you know, it's a long process, man. You got to call these people. You got to get the sergeant involved. I get to the station, man, and I'm running out of time, man. I'm literally doing the, doing the, the ants in the pants dance. And I get this little girl here, and we got to put her in the holding cell until we can get her told her, in touch with her parents and stuff like that. Because she did commit crimes, and she was also missing. So we put her in the holding cell, dude, and I couldn't even wait. I threw her in there, didn't even lock the, didn't even lock the door. I just barely shut the door. She could have ran out of there and escaped if she wanted to. 
I went to the restroom and I, I didn't make it. I literally peed my pants and pee was going right through my pants. And I finally, you know, whipped it out and I'm peeing all over the floor because now I'm in a panic. You know, I'm peeing all over the floor, out over the toilet. And this is all on camera, mind you, because the, the sales are all on camera. And I didn't go to a restroom. I went to the sale next to hers. So is there a drain? Know, is there a drain? Is there a drain in those? No, cells? no, dude. I had to I had to clean it up. Most of it was in my <laughs> pants. And, and and I'll tell you this this story. The reason why it which saved me is that for some reason I could not, I, I, I didn't like the texture of the of the patrol pants touching my legs. Uh-huh. So I used to wear compression tights all the way down to my ankle, like the long sure, compression yep, yep. pants, all the way down to my ankles. Every day, even in 120 degree weather in Tucson, I used to wear them every day. I just couldn't stand the, the feel of that pants on my legs, which was very weird. But when I peed, it soaked into that those pants first, you know. So yeah, so it, it, people couldn't really see it how bad it was from face value because my outer pant what didn't appear wet. And so, man, that was horrible. I was so embarrassed, man. Somebody ended up relieving her. I, I was actually wiping it up when somebody walked in. And I was wiping it up and I'm like, man, somebody made a mess in here. And I'm wiping up the pee and dumping it in the toilet. <laughs> oh Does my anyone God, watch man. those cameras live? Is there like no, someone no, they don't them? watch it live. If they if they need to for whatever reason, investigatory purposes, they can go back and look at it because it's all it's it's on a loop recording. And uh I just never told anybody, man. I was like, if somebody gets that camera, I might get in trouble too, but because I, I left her unattended. I literally threw her in there and I couldn't even lock the door. I had to go to the cell next to hers. Have so, you ever been arrested? Uh, Yeah, I got a Well, t- twice. I got arrested twice. Traditional arrest once and then the arrest on paper the second time. So I'll tell you the two. When I was eight years old, I got arrested, physically arrested. Um, I was smoking marijuana with my cousins in a vacant house in Fort Worth. Um, and, you know, we got at caught. Eight, at eight years old? That's Yeah, eight. At eight. That's when I stopped smoking weed at eight. You stopped or started? I stopped. I was smoking weed before that with my older cousins. We used to go to my cousin's house and then they used to buy the weed. Cause like my cousins didn't have enough money, right? They were they were kind of poor. And, you know, so when we would go hang out with them, my 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 dad would give us money. So we they didn't have to pay for us to eat. We could just buy our own food. Um, but my cut we used to give it to my cousin and he used to go buy weed with it. <laughs> And then we would just go to the park and stuff. We just smoke weed all day, you know. And how old and I know you first I, I, the first time you hit a joint? I was seven. Wow. And then I think you knew I how to inhale and everything. Night. Like by the time you were eight, could you like oh, yeah. hit a joint like crazy? Oh, we were smoking. We were smoking blunts. We weren't smoking joints. We were smoking blunts. The big Swisher roll papers. My older cousins would roll it up. Wow. We were, we were smoking with them and we were dizzy, man. We were walking around like zombies. And you know, we, of course, we would clear up before we went home. You know what I'm saying? Because my daddy would, would probably choke us to death. But, you know, I got arrested, which was crazy because my dad had to come pick us up. And he was a he was a mess, man. He was so he was so angry. I thought he was going to kill us. He it's actually a said little boy. It's a little boy. Dude, I, I tell you this. I, I, when I got arrested, you know, when you get arrested, you got to take everything out of your pockets and they put it in a bag as your property. Dude, I had toy cars, little toy matchbox cars in, in my property i had like 20 of them just imagine me being a eight-year-old with 20 little push cars in my pocket smoking blunts that that just that, that's the craziest thing I, that if I, I couldn't imagine my son my son is tw- my son is going to be 12 uh in august i couldn't imagine him smoking weed and i was eight smoking weed with toy cars pushing them in the, pushing them and smoking weed and so my property was a bag of toys you know it was crazy man 
That what is stopped, crazy. That was what a great career. scene. Yeah, yeah, and it's funny. I didn't. Even, I explained a little bit in my book, but I didn't even go this far in my book. I don't think so. Um, the, the second arrest was in 2010, before I became a a, a, a police officer. Uh, Tucson police officer was a complete jerk to me. He ended up arresting me for expired registration in a foreign state, which is if you in Arizona, if you have expired registration from an out of state plate and you expired in Arizona more than 30 days, they can arrest you. It's a misdemeanor offense. And normally they don't do that for people in college because, you you know, it's obvious that people are going to college. Um, but they ended up arresting me, man. It, it was it was crazy on paper. So I didn't go to jail or nothing. They just wrote the arrest and I promised to appear in court. I got arrested for uh, expired registration in Santa Barbara once. I, I, it, it, it's a trip when I hear people and, and I have a lot of friends who, who do this. When I hear people say stuff that happened to them and they blame their skin color on it. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, hey, dude, like that's happened to me a thousand times. Let me tell you, cops and men between the age of 16 and 25 don't mix. Yeah. Like, it has, like it has nothing to do with your um, skin color or, or anything like that. I've been arrested four times. One time for uh, um, uh, my dog was off a leash and I got a ticket and I paid the ticket, but I didn't go to court. And when the cop pulled me over, he said, hey, you have a warrant out for your arrest. I showed him that I paid my dog leash ticket. He didn't give a fuck. I was arrested. I was in the middle of eating my lunch. Second time was I didn't. My registration had expired on my car. I had the registration. I didn't have the sticker on. He didn't care. It was like 11 o'clock at night um, and, and, uh, uh, and I got taken to jail. Uh, third time. Uh, what was the third time? Ah, I was doing 65 and a 25 in Albany, California. That doesn't wow. get that town doesn't get wider than that. Uh, uh, I, I, um, the he pulled me over and said, um, uh, "Can I see your pilot's license?" And the fourth time, <laughs> I can't I can't remember what happened. I was in front of my girlfriend's house. I think I was sleeping in my car or something, and I got arrested. What's crazy is, is I've been pulled over for drinking and driving. You know, back when I was in high school. I mean, fucked up ten times, and the cops were always like, "Son, you got to get home." Yeah. Wow. I mean, but, but, but I mean, I've been pulled over, I, like I've been pulled over, I've been stopped by the police 200 times between I was 16 and 25. No exaggeration. Oh man. That's like, I was always I, fucking around. I've never got, I've gotten pulled over in my entire life, maybe like five times. That's it. I haven't, I haven't been pulled over. Last time I got pulled over is like 2016, 2017. Um, yeah, I don't yeah. get pulled over anymore. I drive a minivan and I'm old. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> go to speed I'm chill. Yeah, but, but yeah, this whole myth that the color of your skin matters based on police interaction with you. It, it, well, it does now. It does now, uh, yeah. Brandon. By and large, is bullcrap to me. Well, m- all my friends who are cops, they don't pull over black dudes now. None oh yeah, them. oh yeah, yeah, right, right. None in, of them. In that way, they avoid it now. But it's it's. You know, when some, when you're a cop, you realize that uh, it's not about race at all. I've never thought about it. Nobody that I work with ever think about race. It's really your people's behavior. And, and people, they, they get they get two things conflated. They say, man, they pulled me over because I was black. Well, you live in a black community. They passed 400 black people to pull you over. So are they racist or not? You know, it's only black people here. So anybody that's going to get pulled over, anybody's going to get arrested, anybody's going to get shot, is going to be black. Is 99% black people in this whole area. And then they act like, what do you think happened in, 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 in Idaho and in, in Wyoming and in, in some of these places that are heavily white? You think they don't police? You think they don't pull people over? You think they don't do their job? They get arrested too. They go to jail too. They get harassed too. I mean, people are just living a false world of stupidity. I never once thought about race when I pull a person over. If you do it, if people do a ride along, 
Mark me. I'll give you. I'll give you a thousand dollars if I'm wrong. You do a ride along with a police officer in the daytime, and when y'all driving up behind cars, you tell me what race they are. Even in the daytime, it's impossible to see what race people are. You see the back of their head. A lot of these cars have tinted windows. You really can't see. It doesn't matter. You're looking at behaviors. You're like, okay, look at this car. This car has got five hubcaps on it and got a big dent in the back, and the registration is expired. Okay, let, let's address this issue. It doesn't matter who's driving the car. You know, um, I, and, I did a ride along once. It was fucking crazy. That's why I became a cop was the ride along I did. I mean, I, I, I couldn't believe that cops did that. Like, I couldn't believe the how heroic cops were and how brave. And yeah. I know it's now very corny. And, and, and how like, compassionate. Yeah, I couldn't believe how fucking it. nice they were. People are assholes to cops. Oh my god! Trust me. I mean, we deal with it all day, every day. People belligerent motherfuckers, cops. belligerent, and everybody lies to you. Everybody lies. I mean, they lie for no reason. We have people lying to us that ain't even a part of the call we're on. You're like, dude, you just walked up and lied to me for no reason. You're not even. I, 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 you're not <laughs> he even had to get in his lie quota for the day. Yeah, you, you're not even associated with this crime right here. We're investigating this crime. You just walked up and told a lie to me. Get away from me. You know, what are you doing? But to see the, the, the balance of emotions, the balance of integrity and all of that police, all that that police officers have is out of control, man. I mean, Officer Champagne, he's in my book. Um, he I did the ride along with him. He's a white that was guy. Your F, was that your FTO, by the way? Nah, no, he, no he, okay. he wasn't my FTO. I ended up riding okay. with him and uh, he inspired me to be a cop and he was a. Uh, he ended up being a cop and a field trainer in another division. So okay. I didn't live in his division or he would have probably been my FTO. Okay. But he was amazing, man. That dude, went, we went from changing a flat tire of an elderly lady. Literally, the next call was a suicidal call of a kid that was actively cutting his wrist. And we're driving 70 miles per hour down residential streets. I almost died a couple times getting to the call. And, dude, I just could, it, my adrenaline was rushing so much before we got to the call. Yeah. And, and even after the call, dude, I was just I was stunned. I was like a deer in the headlights, man. I couldn't believe what I just saw. I couldn't believe that we just almost died. And Sean was it didn't phase him, man. And he was like, I do this every day. And I'm like, every Crazy. day. What like there's no what? Like I felt I felt like I was a punk, like as a man. I was like, dang, you know, like I, I guess I'm not as tough as I thought I was. I'm right. I'm punking out right now, and this guy is unfazed. Right. By doing this type of stuff every single day of putting it, you know, when you ride with a cop, people have never rode with a cop before. When you ride with a cop and you see a man get into a uh, the patrol car with a bulletproof vest on uh. and a gun, it makes it real to you. You're like, dang, this dude is facing life and death every day. This dude got a vest on. Right. This is a real thing. Like, this is not, you know, like some, you know, when I ride with an Uber. You're not riding an Uber. You're not riding with Amazon for the day. Right. This dude have a vest on and guns and bullets everywhere and rifles. And like a taser. This, this is this legit. Yep. He can die any yep. day, every day, any yep. day, any day of the week. Somebody can just run up on him, shoot him. Or I, I remember when I was a cop, I used to have to go to these crazy calls, man. It was, it, it's, it's no turning back. It's no punking out. You can't just go, oh, man, I don't feel like dying today. I'm just not. I'm just going to drive over here. Right. No, but you, at the, wor the worst scenario possible, you have to come running full throttle. My, my, the biggest fear for me was school shootings because school shootings, you don't have any time to wait for a backup or anything. You have to go and eliminate the threat. And you know 
that going into these situations that it's a high it's a high probability that you're going to be the first one to die. Mm. You could be, especially if it's multiple assailants. You you have to take that chance. You have to. Go. You're basically just you get the call. There's something going on at school, and you just have to get out of your car and run in there. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of blind. You're blind, basically. You're yeah, because you don't know where the guy's at. You, 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 the information is not is not real time. You right. know, you have somebody calling. They tell the dispatcher. The dispatcher yeah, tells yeah. you over the radio. That's like five seconds gap, and that person is talking. You know, by the time they tell the dispatcher something, they may be dead already. You know right. what I'm saying? And and you running through a school with a guy who probably waiting around the corner with an AR-15. And the thing is, is that once you get exposed to death, once you see people who have been shot to death before as a cop, your fear level of getting killed, it, 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 it goes up because you, you feel to yourself that I don't want to end up like this guy I saw the other day that was shot up. I don't well, it's real to- now, right? All of a sudden, it's real, too, it's right? Real. When you see yeah. people taking their last breath, it's yeah. real. You, you really see life and death in real life. Most people don't see it. They see the stuff on the internet. They see movies and they like, oh, what the what? When you actually see a man die in your, in, in your arms, when you see that last breath being taken and you see him go from life to death, uh, you see people shot up and, and, and you patching gun wound, gunshot wounds on the side in the middle of the street. You know, it, it, people have no idea what it's like to be a police officer. They, I mean, I could have a whole show just about that and bring cops on and have them tell these crazy stories. I was only a cop for about seven years. Some of my friends that were cop for 25 years, 30 years, they have seen everything. They have seen things you couldn't even imagine seeing. Be, beheaded people, all kind of stuff. They've seen it all, you know. Um, and these cowards walking around trashing cops all day. And I just say, put a uniform on for one night shift in Chicago, put a uniform on one night shift in Tucson, Arizona on the South side. And, and, and you, you wouldn't last 30 minutes. I, I had this one girl, she was a social justice warrior. When I used to go to work, I used to take my son to daycare. This is when you were work. a cop. Yeah. When I was a cop and I used to take my son to daycare in full uniform. Cause I had to get out of there and go right to work. You know, I had like 30 minutes to spare. And, um, so it's a girl in there. She kind of, I, I know she kind of liked me. It was a black lady. She used to bring her kid, but you could tell she was a social justice warrior. So she liked me because I'm an attractive guy in uniform, but she hate cops. So she had just was dumbfounded. She had made small talk with me and I said, Hey, come do a ride along with me. Come do a ride along with me. So you can see what it's like. Cause she had brought up like some shooting a scenario that asked me a question. I said, come do a ride along. She wouldn't even get out the car on a traffic stop in the daytime. She wouldn't even get out the car. She was terrified. Yeah, the traffic stops were the craziest things that I saw in the ride along. I could not fucking believe what people would do. Oh yeah, or say to the cops. Yeah, it, it, well, yeah, and in some of these domestic violence calls too is, I mean, especially if you saw a cop fight somebody. You know, I had my ride alongs were with me when I had to fight a couple of people and had to pull my gun out on people, and we had a high risk stop where we had the SWAT team, not SWAT team, but the K nine and all this stuff. And my ride along was literally about to pee her pants, man. Cause she was literally on a high risk stop where dudes was hanging out with the rifle. They had the K nine dog and all of this stuff. And, and the guy was non-compliant. It almost led, led to a pursuit, you know? And, and I also had that same ride along. Uh, she saw, she had, she had a chance to see what it's like with people drinking and driving the destruction that it caused a kid hit a light pole at 80 miles per hour. And the light pole did not budge. And, uh, the one, you know, one girl lost her legs in the back seat. The guy, the guy in the front was fine. He was the drunk driver. Of course, the, he's the fine. passenger seat was completely messed up. I mean, he was in the trunk of the car. 
with his seat. He, him and his seat was in the trunk of the car and he was all messed up and the ride along had a chance to see it. You know, we took her open the sheet. She, she, she saw that stuff. This it's is like, the lady from your kid's school. No, no, no. She, no, oh, no. Oh, oh. she, she did a ride along in the daytime. Ain't nothing happened. She did a <laughs> and, and she was terrified to ever even get out the car. Did that change your perception by the way? Yeah. Yeah. Because what I did was cause I was doing a day shift cause they let me work the day shift with my, cause I, when I had, my son with me for the summer. They let right. me work the day shift, which was nice of them. I normally work the night shift, but I would tell her, "What race is this person driving?" She, I, I can't. We're, we do. I did like fifteen times. What race is this person is driving? What race is this person? So now you can tell that we're not pulling people over because they're black. We have no idea what race these people are. Right. And and that helped open up her perception, in my opinion. But if, if she had the experience of that other girl that rode with me, I mean. She she wouldn't have made it, dude. She would have cried and broke down, and she would she would have asked me to take him home, take her home. You know, she wouldn't have been able to make it with all that. So anyway, do 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 you not do you not swear because of your faith? Because, yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, um, t- tell me about so so you were raised a, a Christian. Yes. Well, yeah. Sort of, kind of. I said we were, I was raised a Christian, but we weren't really practicing christians you know you just when you grew up in texas you faith in football is what 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 matters in life everybody's and a you were really good football. at football right i mean yeah i was you, i was i was really good at football in high school i was in, i was the top player in the nation i had scholarship to every university that you could think of i was an all-american um i was a freak athlete when i was in high school i had a 44 inch vertical leap i squatted wow i forget i think i squatted about 500 in high school as a senior i did my max on the bench was like I did. Well, now let me go to college. My freshman year in college, before the year started, the summer, my numbers were I did the bench press 18 times, 225. I did the bench press 18 times. I squatted like six something my freshman year. I had wow. a 40, a 40, 43 inch, 44, 43 inch vertical, something like that. Um, dude, I had the numbers of an NFL. I, I would have, if I would have went to the NFL combine my before my freshman year started, the summer that I went to, to college. I would have broke a record in a in a broad jump. I jumped eleven seven on a broad jump. I would have been the number one rated defensive back by numbers. Like I outperformed every NFL prospect when I was a freshman coming out of high school. Um, so I was a freak athlete, man. And and my career sucked though, man. My attitude and a bunch of other things just led me to not having a, a prosperous career. Was it your attitude or your coach's attitude? It was a combination. Combination. Cause they were jerks, complete a holes. Like uh, Coach Stoops was an a hole. He was he was out of control. And I tell me what you mean that. by that. I heard you say that on another podcast too. That you were really kind of blown back at how out of control uh, collegiate coaches are, are. Yeah, at least him. You know, because when I was in high school, my coach was pretty strict. Right, he was a white guy in an all black school. We had nine D one players. We had four All Americans on our wow on our one football team. And so Coach Jones, Coach Bob Jones was very strict with us, man. He would he would cuss you out. He'll pop you, you know what I'm saying, with a paddle. He used to have a paddle out there. Wow, he'll pop you with the paddle. But he did it in love and compassion, and he loved us, and we knew it. When I went to college, Stoops would MF you. He would call you all kind of names, get in your face, yell at you. I mean, he literally spit coming out of his mouth, just be, just dragging you, man, and like – you didn't feel that connection with the college coaches like that. So it, 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 to me, it turned into violence for me. I wanted to fight him and, 
you know, I, so it was I, kind I, of I, familial in high school, like almost like a, an, uh, an uncle or a father figure. Yes. And in college, yeah. it was you think it was yeah. like more like you have to you have to earn the respect to yell at the players like that. And he didn't earn it. Yes. he No. Yeah. No way in the world. He earned that. He didn't earn it. He was he was like that to coaches, <laughs> to his coaching staff, too, man. He would cuss his coaching staff out. He was out of control, man. And, and, I, and I'm not going to blame him because a lot of other players were able to take it. They knew how to not take it personal. I wasn't like that, man. My dad wouldn't even cra- talk crazy to me like that, you know, and that man would just disrespect you. And growing up in the hood and the mentality I had, it was like, hold on, man. Like, you disrespecting me now. This is outside of football. You don't disrespect me like that. You know, you could you could coach me and tell me what I'm doing wrong. You can you can raise your voice. But when you start talking crazy to me and getting in my face, like, you know what I'm saying? I want to fight you. I ain't even thinking about football no more. And so a, a, a little bit of that, too, uh, was the problem. And I just never was the same. Like, I never was on my game in college. You know, I played a little bit. I still was in the NFL draft because I was such a great athlete. I didn't perform well at my pro day. I didn't train well. I mean, it really screwed me, man. My agent told me that if I would have played one season, I would have been drafted in the first round. That's how great of an athlete I was. You didn't was, even play one season in college. You went to the University of Arizona. Went to the Arizona. I, I didn't. I did not play a complete season on defense. I played special teams here and there. I wrote the bench on, on because I was in the doghouse, man. The coaches hated me, and you know, would I you just, talk I was, back? Would you talk back? Oh yeah, I would blow up on them. That's why they. That's you know, I would take my helmet off and throw it. You know, I'd get in their face and. I was a very I, – I, at the time, that's before I got saved. That's before I really became a Christian. Uh, I just had such an explosive attitude. It helped in football because, the, you know, I would tear – you know, I would knock people out coming across the middle. But outside of that, it wasn't really conducive for success. You know, I was just – I was – to them, I was uncoachable because the way they coached was yelling and acting crazy with you and that. And for me, it was like, nah, I, I ain't resp- – I don't respond well to that. So – it really, it really hurt my career, man. And, and and no matter how great of an athlete I was, they they put me on the bench, and I rode the bench, and they made sure I never played. Um, and my I graduated because my dad always said, "I don't care if you play football now, you better graduate." Hold on a second, I keep hitting the buttons on this computer. I don't care how much you play or not, you better get your degree because it's free. And so when I graduated, my last, I had got saved, and you know, halfway through my football career, things still wasn't going well. But my last year, you I, did, you did get saved halfway through. Your football. What does that mean to get saved? the The way I the way I researched your story, the way I heard it is basically you were you thought you were going to be drafted by the the Oakland Raiders. By the way, you're not related to Jack Tatum, are you? It's 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 kind of like a rumor family theory that Jack Tatum is our great uncle. You know, it, wow. it's said that he was. We never got a chance to meet him. And me and my brother, we both, me and my brother both were All-American football players. When we we went to reach out to him, and by the time families was able to finally connect, the Tatums, my Tatums was finally connect with his Tatum side. Um, He had passed away. And so we just never followed up. But it was, it's, it's been said, and people have drawn that connection. And some people in the family think we are, we were related. I pulled up next to him one time on the freeway in traffic on the 580. It, he had long been retired. He was in a dope Cadillac. He had the windows down. I saw the license plate. Pulled up <laughs> what did it say? Him. What was his license plate? It said Tatum? It said Tatum. I, uh, maybe it said J Tatum. But it <laughs> said Tatum. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so so but the, the way I understood the story was is that you thought you were going to be drafted and uh, and you weren't. And it, like literally to the, till, till the day it happened, till the day of the draft, you thought you were going to be drafted. You had a party plan. You yeah. weren't drafted. And you went into a spiral. 
and there somewhere you hit rock bottom and found God. But you're no, saying that no, no, no okay, no, okay. No. My college career, I spiraled. My freshman year, when they when when I was getting yelled at by the coaches and I, I you know all this stuff, and I was blowing up on them, and I was, you know, I was late to I was chasing women late to late to workouts, you know. I so I was I wasn't perfect. Then I started, and then my sophomore year came around, and I got hurt. Um, I had a season ending injury, the third game of the season. I was out for the whole season, and so that was like rock bottom for me. I wasn't playing. You know, I, you got to think, man. I came into college as the one of the top recruited players in the nation. I played with Deshaun. Jack. I don't know if you know football. You, you follow football a lot, but I played with all of the dudes you see in the NFL right now. Deshaun Jackson, Jonathan Stewart. I think he just retired. Uh, Adamican Sue was on my team. Uh, I mean, you go down the list. All of these NFL players you see today, we all played together in high school on the U.S. Army All-American game. So it was devastating for me, man. And and then I got to rock bottom and I was like, you know what? I don't know what my purpose is in this life. Like everything is falling apart. I lost some of my really close friends and that I went to high school with all my freshman year. And in 2008, when you say you I, lost them, you mean you went different ways on your path? No, no, they died. They, got, they died. They, they died. It was th- all three of them died m- my freshman year in high school. Like as soon as we graduated, Lovey died. My friend Tadpole died, um, and then uh, Jeff died. He he was he was he was a uh, um, well, not Ricky. Jeff died and Ricky died. I wasn't as close to Jeff, but they all died in car accidents separately. Oh shit! Uh, which was crazy, man. And as a freshman, young dude, you know, it, it was it was traumatizing. But anyway, that was in 2005, 2008. Now I didn't go through college five, six, seven, and in 2008 is when I got saved because all of this turmoil and all these things that are happening. I said, you know what? I need to figure out if God is real or not because I'm in a point now where I remember growing up believing in God. You know what I'm saying? I remember you know being a Christian and some of the values that my parents taught me. And now the rubber is hitting the road. I need to figure out, is God real or not? And, you know, I started going to church and um, I, I started going to church and and just giving it a try. I went to a couple and I thought they were ridiculous. And I said, I'm never going to these churches again. And then it's funny, man, when I was pursuing that, I like had a couple a couple dreams. Like I had a dream that like Jesus had came to me. And it was like a weird thing. You know, have you ever been asleep but up at the same time? And you're like yep. in that middle stage where you're like, I-, I think I'm asleep, but I'm awake. And I like saw Jesus' face. And of course, I don't know what Jesus looked like, but this face appeared to me. And it's like my consciousness knew it was Jesus. And it was a it, it face was red. And it just like appeared to me like this. And and it, it just like weird stuff was happening to me. And so I kept going. Where to were you? Were you were you at home in bed in, in like yeah. your college dorm when that happened? Yeah, no, we we I was in college i was in my bed but me and my friend had uh rented a house so it was okay. me and a couple of football players we rented a house and so i'm laying in the bed and this happened to me man and i like felt when when i saw the face like this i just felt like some energy like go through me it was weird and i'm like that's weird i'm not even a religion i mean i wasn't like deep into spirituality and I, and i just said well you know what maybe this is a sign i need to keep going to church and i kept going to church and then i, I never forget did on you start to interrupt did you share that with anyone when that happened yeah, I mean, I told my friend. My friend lived with me. And we were all Christians, so okay, okay, okay. Um, so I shared it with them. I wrote it in my journal. I tell the story sometimes to people. Uh, I think I, I I mentioned some of this in the in my book. I can't remember how much I spoke about it, but I mentioned it in my book to a certain degree. And and then you know I went to church, Emmanuel Grace Apostolic Church, which is Pentecostal Apostolic, very holiness strict church. I went there and the guy preached the gospel of Jesus Christ, like. 
when I would go to church before, they always tell about good story, good feel good messages, right? Oh, you know, God loves you and God is doing this. And then they t- they read the Bible all the way to the end and they tell you all these different things that make you feel good. But none of them actually told a true story about Jesus because I didn't even know about Jesus. Like, you know, I heard I heard about Adam and Eve. I never read it in the Bible. I heard about Jesus. Oh, Jesus is our savior and all this stuff. But I never read nothing about what Jesus did in the Bible. I just hear these stories floating around. And then when, but, but the pastor at Emmanuel Grace actually was reading from the Bible and he was talking about these stories of Jesus and some of the parables that Jesus was saying. And I, and it, and it just changed the way I thought of things. I'm like, this is a real thing. Like there's something here. This is not religion. This is, this is actually a relationship. And I started to connect more to the gospel and start to really see it as being real. And I remember, I remember one of the Wednesdays that I went to church and I asked the pastor, I said, Hey, um, I heard fornication was a sin, right? Having sex outside of marriage because I heard it, but I never saw it in the Bible. He go, Hey son, here you go. Right here. This is where it says, you know, fornication is. I'm like, really? And and I had this desire to do right. I want to be right. I want to do right. And then I, when I say I got saved, according to the Bible, um, getting saved is being born again. And it's a, it's a natural and spiritual experience. And so when I was going to that church, he preached the gospel. It was just a desire in my heart to go get prayed for at the front of the church. I mean, truth be told, I was really doing it for the girl that was with me because she was crying and she wanted to, she was all emotional. And I was going to take her to the front so she can get prayed for. And then I end up getting prayed for. And it was just God just touched me, man. It was weird because I remember the guy, he was praying for me and I got my hands up like this. And you got to think, man, I'm not I'm not into religion like that. I'm, I'm, I don't know the lingo in church. So I'm, I'm, and you're I'm, a young man. You're like a 27, yeah. just no, no, old no, monster. I'm young. I'm young. I'm 20. I was like 21 or something like that. Okay. 20, 22, maybe 21, 22. And I'm, I got my hands up and the guy's praying for me. And I just remember him saying, you know, let it go. Meaning like, get out of your mind. Just relax. Receive what, receive what God is trying to do for you. And I remember relaxing a little bit and I felt like I felt something like I almost felt like some, some adrenaline almost. And then it instantaneously, the guy's like, there it go. There it go. Just, just relax. Just relax. Let God deal with you. Let it go. You know, all the, all that you holding, you're harboring all the, all the stress is just let it go and let God deal with you in this moment. And he was just kind of praying for me and I just relaxed. They let, they let me down to the ground. And it's funny, I had a dream about that before it happened. And I said, I never, I'm like Benny Hinn, you know, he swiped, swiped the, the, the jackets and everybody fall. I said, there ain't nowhere in the world I'll ever do that in my life. But they kind of guided me to the ground and I just laid on the ground and I just prayed. And I was just trying to, I was trying to connect with God. If he was there, I was trying to connect. And I felt like I was connecting with him. I felt like God was just dealing with me in a spiritual sense. It wasn't, I couldn't hear God. I couldn't see God. It was something on the inside of me was connecting with God and I knew it was happening. Right. And then I got baptized and in the Bible being baptized, is not important. that same day. You mean later? Same day. No, same oh, day. Same day. That, that minute. He, uh, see, the true gospel is that you should be born again. You don't, in my opinion, you don't schedule baptisms and stuff. It's an instantaneous thing. When you ready, you go and make it happen. So the pastor said, I command that you be baptized in the name of Jesus. And so I said, okay, I'll do it. And I went up to the thing that had the water ready. I got baptized. The young lady with me got baptized. And then the, another thing, this is weirder than all the stuff that I've said. 
So I got baptized and I came Were out. Were you of the vibrating water. at all? Did you feel your body vibrating at no, all? I don't, no, I don't think okay. that's the feeling okay. I had. I had okay. this feeling of like, I'm home. Like, 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 this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Like, I've been living this crazy life. Like, I'm like, it's almost like God is calling me to I'm come home. back. Yeah, come back home and 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 I just felt secure. Like I'm really experiencing God right now, and this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Like all that stuff that I learned when I was a kid, this is the real experience. All that stuff was fluff, you know, like we weren't really living right. We weren't connecting. It was fluff. And so I get baptized. And then when I came out of the water, I never forget. I felt light. And you got to think I haven't read the Bible much. I felt light. And I was like, dang, dude, I feel like I feel like a, I feel like another person. Like I feel light. It's almost like I had all this baggage on me and I feel light. And I didn't know what that meant until I read the Bible later. And, and it's in the Bible that, you know, that you are forgiven of your sins. And so anyway, two days later, my church believed in speaking in tongues and receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is a spiritual thing in the Bible. I remember two days later, Wednesday night, I go because I want to get the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues is what our church believed. And I went to this room. We we were in this prayer room and we're in there praying. All the uh, elders of the church were in the room praying with me and they were all speaking in tongues. And they were. Is that scary? Huh? Is that scary? It was weird at the time because I wasn't a churchy person. So I'm like, that's weird. I'm speaking in tongues. That's for like old people. But I said, you know, the Bible says it. He read it in the Bible, being born of the water and the spirit. He read in the Bible the day of Pentecost in, in Acts chapter two about them receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. And they begin to speak in tongues. So when they read it to me, I said, if it's an experience that needs to be had, I want to have it. Right. So they're in there praying for me, man. And like five minutes go by and I wasn't, ain't nothing was happening to me. I'm, I'm just praying and you know, praising God and nothing was happening. And I remember Elder Danny Field touched me and said, tell God what you want. Tell God what you want. And I and I remember saying, you know, I, I, I want to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And it could have been like a couple seconds later, something hit me, man. And I started speaking in tongues. Now, I, I'm, I'm, God is my witness. Dude. It was the weirdest experience I have ever experienced in my life. Even to this day, I'm shocked that that ever happened to me. Literally, I felt like I was breathing, but somebody else was talking out of my mouth. And it sounded like an African dude. Like an African man was just talking and talking and talking and talking out of my mouth. And when you say African man, it wasn't English. You mean like some some language that yeah, you only heard on lang- TV? It was another language. Okay. And, and, and even the way my vocal cords were projecting, my it was like a, it was like a deeper voice of like an African man. And, and, and it was, it was crazy to me. I mean, I perceived it as African, you know, now when I pray in tongues, which I still do, it sounds more Arabic, but anyway, at the time it felt like an African man was talking out of my mouth and I was Wait, just, so you still praying. Does anyone ever hear you do that? Or do you no, do that I, in private? Well, well, when I was going at the time after I got saved and I would go to church, I would do it in church. Like everybody in our church was speaking tongues, but more recently, it's something that I just do privately. You know, most people don't really hear me. I, to be honest, I, I I think I think people may think it's weird that don't understand. Very, so, I, I think it's totally weird. I totally oh, don't understand. Yeah, it's it's, totally. It's, it's, so, because it's totally foreign to me. It, yeah, it's re- it's real though. It's a real thing. Like, um, like you know, like you know, there's people like who clean that clean their nasal passages like with like a like a string, and you're just yeah. like, wow. Or you know what I mean? Like people who eat crickets, you're like, wow. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, it's just so. Like the other day, my friend killed a rabbit and brought it over and we ate it. And I was like, I was trying to act all cool and shit, but like, I wasn't cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm like, uh. no, so yeah, it's, it, it's um, the unknown is scary. The unknown it, is scary. 
it is. It is. Um, but it makes you feel more comfortable when you read it in the Bible. Like if you read it in For the sure. Bible, you say, okay, I'm not. And you're I'm around not, other people who are also having the same experience. Right, right. And you say, okay, it's not completely weird. Like maybe this is a real thing. Like people in the Bible are experiencing something similar. Everybody at my church has experienced something similar. I just experienced it uniquely for myself. There's something here that I don't, I can't explain it. I don't know what to say. I don't know how it happens. You know, there's a study that was done and there was a YouTube video of, of a, of a scientist. I say scientist, a person that studies the brain had put these probes on the brain, monitoring the frontal lobe of the brain and had these two people that came in that claimed to be Christians and they claimed to speak in tongues. Right. And so these people are speaking in tongues while they're hooked up to this machine. And, and, you know, I know now that people can pay for propaganda. You know, people can pay this person to lie. But this doctor, is, who, is, who is not a Christian, and, and admitted that even after this experience, he ain't a Christian. Uh, he was monitoring these people speaking in tongues. And literally, the frontal lobe of the brain was not firing at all while these people were speaking in tongues. And the, and the, sign, the guy said, the, the, that's impossible, Right. Because the frontal lobe of the brain has to fire in order for the brain to begin to speak and think and all that other stuff. And he said, even in monks who meditate, he still finds signs of firing in the frontal lobe of the brain. These people who were speaking in tongues, there was zero firing of the frontal lobe of the brain. And he said, meaning that it's coming from somewhere else. They're not creating it. This is what he said. He said, I am not making any statements about religion or anything. It appears that what they claim to be experiencing, they are experiencing. Because it, we, I cannot explain why a person, how a person can be talking, and the frontal lobe of their brain is not firing. He said it's an impossibility. And but I'm not saying that it's real. I'm not saying that the religion is real. It appears that what they're experiencing, that, that they're claiming they're experiencing, they're actually experiencing. And so it, it's a real thing, man. A lot of Christians will beat me up in the comment section. I know because some Christians don't believe in it. But like, dude, why, I can only why do you have, why do we have to use the word believe? Why can't what it be, you, you know, like, like you don't believe this shit. You know, this shit. Yeah. But you gotta, but, but, you gotta like, 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 like I, be, belief is, um, there's so little that I believe. Right. There's so little that I believe. I believe, I like, I don't believe I'm talking to you right now. I know I'm talking to right, you. Right. I think belief is, is something that have, I think that people, yeah, they don't use the word right. I don't think people, most people talk right. I agree with I agree with you. I think the concept of belief is 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 of evidence of something that have not been seen yet or is not present. Right. So you say, I believe that I'm going to be successful. You know, I believe I'm right. you may right. you may be broke as a joke right now. Right. But the concept and the way people use the word belief is that I believe because it's not here, but I have a faith and a belief that it's gonna happen. But to your point. In order for it to happen, you have to know it's going to happen. Like the things that have manifested in my life, I knew it. Like I, I, I believed it and I knew it. I felt it. I'm going to be successful. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, you know, make X amount of dollars. I'm going to live in this place. I, 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 I believe it first. Then I begin to know it. Then I begin to feel it. And, and, it's, and, and it's a concept of uh, people, religious people miss this, though. Um, you know how they, they say 
I forget the name of of the thing. You know how you can think it into existence and, and that kind of concept Man, uh, to manifest something. Yeah, manifest something through existence. It's like a I forget what it's called. Somebody the secret. Somebody wrote right. a book. The book right. called the secret. Right. And so Christians a lot of time miss this whole point, and that's why a lot of Christians don't experience it because they think that it's secular to believe that you can manifest things that you believe in your mind will come true. Steve Harvey said something I thought was incredible. He attributed it to Albert Einstein, but he said that it is impossible to dream of the impossible per se. He said, you're not smart enough to think up the impossible. So everything that you think is actually possible because you're not, your, your brain is not capable of, of, of imagining some impossibility in the world. It, it is, it may be something far-fetched, but it's actually possible if you can actually think of it. And so that concept coupled with Christianity is how I exist because the Bible talks about life and death is in the power of the tongue. You know, you have power the way, you know, um, in the beginning with Adam, Adam gave, got God gave Adam dominion over the earth to name the birds and whatever he wanted to do. Like human beings have dominion over the earth. God allows us to do what we supposed to do here. He's given us the authority. That's why man can create such great things in, in automobiles and airplanes and how man can go from broke to being a billionaire because we have dominion over our thoughts and what exists on this earth by and large. God has given us the power to do that. Now, Christian religion tells you that you have to sit around and pray, God, I want you to help me be a millionaire. God, I want you to help me pay my bills. That's religion relationship says you go out and pursue it and I'll meet you at the, at the, at the, at the office to pay your bills per se. You don't sit around and, and, and think you're going to sit in a circle and pray for God, pray to God. You, I think you should pray, but you have to pursue as you pray. And, and, and I think Christians forget that, but secular people get it. Some Christians don't get it. And then that's why they clash. There's probably no real difference between you and I, Maybe the things that you believe, you don't attribute that to being God, but we probably believe this, some of the same principles. Um, and I think that the religious side of it has really ruined people's relationship with God because the perception of God is God is a man that's up here doing this. It's like the Bible don't say that God is not a man. God is a spirit and it's a spirit that nobody knows what it looked like, how it, how it operates to a certain degree is omnipresent. It, it's, it's not a man that's sitting up there with a beard where you pray to you praying to a spirit that is that we don't understand. And the Bible is just a collection of stories of people who have been exposed to it. Mm. You know, I say collected the stories, historical writings of people who just been exposed to this, this, this energy that they all attribute to the one true God. And these people don't know each other. They never existed around each other. You know, they, they had different dispensations of time, different parts of the world. And they all have a similar story of attributing these experiences, this, this experiences that I experienced to what they would consider to be. Well, in other places they say Allah, but Yahweh in Christianity or in Judaism, they experience, the experience they call this energy, this, this spirit, this God is Yahweh. And so, you know, I, I am, I, yeah, I am the, I am. 
and, and I've been, I am. It's is, so it's so fascinating to hear you talk about this. It's so refreshing because I've been exposed, and um, and uh, so many people I hear, and, 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 and the way I was exposed is you would never say I believe. You would never say I believe. I would. I would never say I believe in God. That that would be that would be a um a a disgrace from what I was exposed to. Right. I, I I'll tell you a quick story. I was um and this is after I was exposed. I was filming a documentary and I was filming a guy and he was going to listen to some a get rich quick guy in New York yeah. City, like yeah. where he talked for three hours and then he tries to sell you a box of yeah. DVDs yeah. for like five hundred bucks or three thousand bucks, whatever. And so yeah. I'm sitting in the back and I'm waiting for the my the subject of my documentary, who's a professional arm wrestler, to finish this conference he's in this get get rich conference. And the guy says, um, and and just so you know, if if you see someone drive by in a Lamborghini and you resent him. God will make sure – I don't even know if he used the word God. Maybe he said the universe. The universe will make sure you never get that Lamborghini oh, yeah. because God always gives you what you want, and God would never want you to become someone you resent. <laughs> and I thought, holy shit. Holy shit. That's like the truest thing I fucking ever heard conceptually, theoretically, not, not just the, about be, becoming wealthy, but just that premise that God gives you whatever you want. And so if you look down on someone who has money, God will never make you that person because he doesn't want to make you something that you don't want to be. Right. I, I think that that's, that's a and lot I, of truth. My whole mindset changed. It's and a from lot of that truth. day on, my financial freedom skyrocketed. And do you know what I did as a practice, Brandon? Not to remind myself of that story, I told myself that no matter what I see on the ground, whether it be a penny, a dime, a nickel, a quarter, anything, I will humbly stop and pick it up. And I will tell myself I am a money magnet. And see, as I a think, as a daily practice to remind myself of that moment that God spoke to me through that man. But I would never tell anyone I believe in God. It, 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 it's it's um, I have an aversion to it. Belief is belief is where um, bad things exist. I think where weakness exists. Right. I think that you have a point there. You have a point there. And I think it's it's kind of the etymology. You know, like it's, it's the way that you, a person decides to use words. And in the English language, words are so watered down, like love. You can you say, I love my job and I love my wife. Right. The one word describes all these different loves that are not equal. They're not even the same type of love. Like you love playing video games versus you love God, you know, like. So the English language is very limited on its, its exposure to articulating what people are actually thinking, because I, I would argue that a lot of people experience God on a day to day basis. What happens is religion makes them shy away from calling it something. You know what I'm saying? They don't want to yes. be that God. They don't want it the God of this religion, but they know they experience something from something that they cannot explain. Right. They, they have an energy or knowledge or something speaks to them. It's like, that's God. God don't have to talk to you through Christianity. You know what I'm saying? And, well, let me, is that let me, okay for you to say that? Well, me, I, 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 and I'm saying okay, like, you know. Yeah, let me clarify this because people okay. get weird. Okay. I believe that Christianity is the way in which God deals with our, our people. But you don't have to be sitting in a church. You don't have to have a Bible open for God to communicate with you. And I believe once God began to communicate with you, it, God will lead you to the gospel of Christ, in my opinion. But you don't have to be religious for you to have a relationship because there's so many people that connect with God and they get turned off by religion and therefore they begin to say, I hate God. Mm. But in reality, they are actually experiencing God. They love God. 
they just get turned off by these people who make God in their own image. Because in the Bible, it says God made us in his image. Religious today, religion today makes God in our image. What, what do we want God to do? God is this and God hates you and hate you and want this. And it's like, that's not even what the Bible says. Now you will be judged by God, but God is trying to reconcile you while you're alive and do something in your life that, that gives purpose to you. And, you know, a lot of things that happen to you in life is God answering your prayers and, and also giving you authority to your own thoughts. If you believe I ain't never going to be nothing, God will allow you to never be nothing. If you if you say I'm going to be successful, I'm going to make it out of this rut. I'm going to be the best I can be. God will allow you to become the best you can be. Now, let me say this. A lot of these people are experiencing God, but they ain't even they don't even practice religion. How is that possible? It's because God is not bound by a person's church building. You know, and if somebody believes that they they must be nutty. It's like God can reach people in Africa just as well as the United States of America. And, and, and they can reach people in Europe and they can reach people in, you know, uh, uh, what's it? I like, uh, I can't even think of the name of the place now, Dubai, because I like Dubai. They can reach people in Dubai and we may not even speak the same language. Right. You think God only speak English? Like, right. come on, man. Like, you, you think God only speak to people who hear the gospel from this church? It's like, now God speaks to people. But these people who hear from God needs to try to need to try to build a better relationship with God so God can direct them what they need to do. And I believe that if you are hearing from God and you are humbling yourself and saying, OK, God, it's not about what I want to do. It's not about what I want to believe. It's about what's true. Lead me to truth. Lead me to where I want to be. Is Christianity right? Is Jesus who he said he is? Lead me to the truth. And I personally believe that people will be led to the gospel of Jesus Christ, not the religion part, but they will be led to, to understanding who Jesus really was. Jesus was an actual person. I mean, obviously people manipulate who he was when he did this or whatever, but by and large, Jesus was a real person. And I think the message of Jesus Christ is, is very necessary for people to understand in order for them to, to, to have a better deeper, more authentic relationship with God, in my opinion. I mean, that's that's how I feel. So, Have you been to Africa? No, I've never been to Africa. I'm have afraid been, to. Ha, Not because of Africa, it's because of flying over the water like that. Like, <laughs> I'm terrified of flying over water like that. I mean, I'm like, if something happened, we're dead. We can't just land at a, at a, at a local airport. We're dead, you know. Um, ha, have you been to um, um, uh, India? I I have never been out to the United States of America. Wow. Other than okay. other than going to uh uh the Grand Bahama. Okay. So so no China, no India, no Africa. I've never been anywhere. I've never been out of the country. I've been almost to every state in the union, but I've never been out of the country other than the Grand Bahamas. Um it, it's uh I, I used to I used to make a documentary film, so I shot films in a hundred different countries and wow. really really fucked up places too. I've wow. seen some, and I've been on all seven continents. I've been to all the states except for Alaska, and I've seen some really fucking gnarly shit. Really? Yeah, because primarily the documentaries I made were um, short films on malnourished children, and then I spent a bunch of time in Africa and a uh, um, bunch of time in India. But but basically, um, man. man uh, 
there's there's this is this is not um this is not uh, real there's a different um uh societal experiment going on in these other places like china's nothing like here and so until you go there all you can do is is like bring what we know to there or the same with india or the same but africa's uh, africa's the biggest trip man really you know because africa's such a trip this is one thing that i this is one thing that i always think because i've never been out of the country Mm -hmm. Uh, i think that my perception of religion would is will be more expansive when i experience different stuff because you got to think i'm in christian land right everything is christianity we can freely worship god and i i don't know people that don't worship god that you either atheist or you're some form of a God worshiper, whether it's right. Judaism, you know, Mormonism, whatever. And so going to another country where people don't even observe God and they actually live in a functional life and they, they have a whole villages and towns and states yeah. or whatever you call yeah. it. And they, they don't even believe in God. Seeing people like that would be very interesting to me. I don't think it'll waver my experiences because I think God is real. And I right. think that, right. you know, I think you can live without acknowledging God. I don't, I don't think it's the right way to do it, but I think you can exist. Right. Um, it's not like you just vanish in the dust because you don't observe God. Um, well, I like what you said. Acknowledge God. Oh, could you say, would you, would you be, would you accept? Sorry, it's not a perfect word. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, someone who, who, who acknowledges the unknown. Yeah, I mean, I accept people who don't believe in God. I mean, it's just your but, 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 but you know what I mean? As a, yeah. as a premise to um as as a prem as being equal to someone who believes in god that's not the right way to say it either but it, when you say you said hey um i don't think it's the right way to live to not recognize god but what about if you recognize the unknown no i think that well let me say it like this mm-hmm. i think that if a person is willing to recognize you know, like the, like there was a saying that says a man that knows something knows he knows nothing at all. Mm-hmm. Any rational person understands that they don't understand everything. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's very far fetched for a person to say, I don't really know what this is. And I'm acknowledging that there's something there, mm-hmm. but I can't put my finger on it. I 100 percent understand why some people aren't Christians. 100 percent. I understand why people aren't Muslims, why people aren't. I understand why people aren't involved in any of these religions. I 100% understand my experiences lead me in a certain direction, but I understand like if I hadn't had the experiences that I had, I I don't think I would be a Christian. I don't think I'd be any of these things because of the level of hypocrisy that you see from religious establishment will make you, will draw you away. And I have never had these certain experiences that people have had where they've been a Christian, a believer their whole life. And then something traumatic happened. Like they lose their whole family in a weekend. Right. Somebody lose their children and you're like, God, wait a minute. This some job, some job shit. This was an innocent kid in this 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 low life who lived life destroying everything, killed an innocent kid that was just, you know, eight years old getting his life started. How could you let that happen? I can see how people may feel some way about that. So I'm not delusional. I'm not saying that's the right way to feel, but I can understand why a person would feel that way. I can understand why if you sit in, you you live in a third world country, why you struggle to believe in God, you know, <laughs> but you know, a lot of these people in third world countries actually are closer to God than people that live in America. Um, but I can understand. I mean, I'm open-minded. I'm not, I'm not foolish. I've read the Bible. I, I, were were I, you open-minded before you were exposed to Christianity? Yeah. 
I was, the, I was this experience before you, not even Christianity, before yeah. you were exposed to God. Yes. Were you open-minded? Yes. I was, uh, because I wasn't sure, you know, I was like me and my friend, I remember we were sitting outside in, in our car and I used to have a car with the top down and me and my homeboys were sitting out front of his yard and we were just looking up at the sky, man, being like, what's real and what's not real, man. What is this? It, all these stars and galaxies and stuff, like what, it, what, what, where are we? What this the fuck is going on? It doesn't, I can't explain any of this stuff. What is actually happening here? Are we like, are we fooled? Is Christianity real? Is God real? Like, you know, we were, I was going through all of that when I was younger and I feel like I got more of a peace when I did go to church and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. I feel like I got more of a peace, but also because I consistently pursue God and truth that I became more rational about my faith. Like I do understand and people are going to get mad at me for saying this, but it's true. I do understand that, like, even the Bible has issues in it. And if any Christian don't acknowledge that, you're just being disingenuous. When you go look and research the translation of the of the King James version of the Bible and in the NIV version of the Bible, you go and you go and do research on manuscripts and how they were discovered, what time period they were discovered, what condition they were in when they were discovered, how they're reproduced. And then you find people manipulating scripture. You start to really see like, okay, I get it. It's more about relationship than religion. The Bible will lead you to success. But if you are not willing to acknowledge that people are manipulating religion, then you must be, you're not going to go as far. You're not going to go as far with God as you can. If you are sitting down and you say everything in the English Bible that I read is 100% accurate, you will be making a huge mistake. Let me tell you why, because I know I'm getting, I'm going to get beat up over this. If you read the King James Version of the Bible and before the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls, which means the, the older manuscripts, the oldest manuscripts we have record of, um, if you look at John, first John five, verse seven in the, in the, in the King James version of the English Bible, you will see in more modern transcripts or manuscripts, or not say manuscripts, the newer versions of the Bible that have been written from older manuscripts. They have completely removed that scripture from the Bible. There is at least 20 or 30 when I did research from the King James version, once they got the Dead Sea Scrolls and they compared manuscripts that they realized that a lot of these were were could be potentially accidentally added to the manuscripts in the English King James Version of the Bible. Some people believe it was malicious. Some added or removed that it was added. Like some of these things were added because oh, the, oh. the way they used to translate the Bible is you used to have to write it. You didn't print it. You know right, what I'm saying? Right, you have to right, write right, it. Right. And they would write notes and they would write things in columns. And they believe that over time, some of the column notes got into the Bible and some people interjected and filled in the gaps of things that they thought the Bible should have said because the manuscript wasn't clear. And so they have been able to clear it up in modern translations like the the, the ESV um, and some of the more the newer Bible versions. They've been able to clear some of this stuff up that but but, you know, some diehard Christians are going to say, no, the Bible is. It's like, nah, man, you can get what you need out of it, but you just have to understand that there were there were mistakes in translation. Um, and there was also things like, I, let me say this and I'm going to shut up. 
Like if you read the Bible, <laughs> if you, if you read the Bible, too late. We're in the deep end. If you read the Bible, you'll see some words that are in italic that are that are italicized in the King James version of the Bible, and people probably don't know what that means. That means that that word is not an original manuscript. That means that they had to put certain words to make the language read well in English, because reading, uh, you know, Hebrew or reading Greek, it, it doesn't read like English. It's not complete sentences. And so people that were translating had to write this in a way in which you can read it in English and make a proper sentence. So there's there's words added in that version as well. And, you know, anyway, so. I'd so like regardless. to say something. About, I'd like to say something about that. When when uh, when I was a, um, uh, a a younger version of myself and someone would say Donald Trump's racist because he. um said that Barack Obama wasn't born in this country or that he's Muslim, I believe that that was racist because they told me it was racist. And then finally, and I'm so embarrassed to say this, finally there was this talk about him being racist towards Mexicans and there were a bunch of people at my house and they were talking about how racist he was. So I went and pulled up the, while we were, people were in my kitchen talking about what a racist piece of shit he is, I went to my computer and I pulled up the transcripts of where they said he said Mexicans racist and he didn't say anything of the sort. Yeah. He basically said that Mexico was sending over some bad people or only their bad people. And then I realized, oh, shit. And this is tying to what you said about the Bible. It hasn't it's not racist at all to say if I I just realized, holy shit, everything that everyone says is racist isn't racist. If I say that all Chinese people look alike, that's not racist. If I right. say that all black people look like that's not racist. If I say that all Armenian people look like that's not racist. That's my that's um. That's just saying that I have the inability to to perceive the difference because I haven't been exposed to the nuances of those of that particular right. look. It's just like if I said that every moon every time the moon's full it looked the same to me and an astronomer would be like are you fucking kidding me it's 5 degrees tilted to the right every time it's full it's different and yeah. they would think well, what am I racing? And I just realized holy shit. And so you think the Bible's probably the same the this the same way. There's people who read it who are jumping to conclusions who are who are making these these leaps that that aren't um that aren't true that aren't factual yeah. it's not factual at all to say um uh it's it's not racist at all to say that uh um uh, uh um uh, uh, japanese people are fantastic at math we know that 10 to 1 they <laughs> outnumber every, all other uh, ethnicities as having phd's in mathematics does it have to do with the fact that they're japanese no does it have to do with their japanese culture most likely well, think but it about has this. nothing to do with their eyes or their skin or any of that shit. Right. And our Christians Sorry, I circled it back, but well, our Christians aren't the same either. Like yeah. there's like 40,000 different denominations. Like, right. I mean, and I, and I know I, I just right. know that people get mad at me in the comment section, possibly because they do it on my channel. They get mad at me. Bernie, you don't believe not, not like, on this channel. Everyone's loving and peaceful and good. accepting yeah, on yeah. my, on my perfect. channel. They're perfect. perfect. Yes. Good. This is where all glad, perfect humans glad land. To be here. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, they, they, You're uh, home. <laughs> you know, people it's very weird because there's a lot of different variations of Christianity, you, you know, to a certain degree, you got Catholic. Yes. Catholic is very different than Baptist. Baptist is very different than apostolic. Uh, Uni- Unitarians are very different than Trinitarians. You know, it, it's like a whole bunch of different stuff here. It's not just one way to look at it. Um, or one way that people actually look at it. When you look at people like I, I often look at people who are, I often listen to people who disagree with me. Right. There's a guy that's out there that used to be a Christian and he claimed that the Bible is fake and or not fake, but he just brings up all these things in it. So I listen to him. A lot of some of the stuff that he say is actually not true, but there are things that he say that is true. 
um, I listened to uh, Ahmad, it's a guy named Ahmad Didat. He's a he's a he's a Muslim apologist. He's probably the number one Muslim apologist in the world. And I watch him debate Christians. And to be honest, some of what's a Muslim are, apologist? What does that mean? Oh, that means a person that defends the faith. Okay. So he he like goes around and does debates against Christians about the 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 Muslim faith. So sometimes when he debate Muslims, I like I mean when he debate Christians, I like to listen to it because I want to know what are the arguments against what I believe. Right. And there are times where he just destroys these Christians, and you're like, how is the Muslim man know the Bible better than the Christians who's debating him? And right. it, and, it, and it gets you to think because there's some truths. Like just for instance, he talks about translation of the English language, the English Bible uh, in, in Greek, and he talks about in the Bible how it's consistent that the word God, um, a certain word for God, I think it's like hotheos versus theos. When you say hotheos, and I could be getting this wrong, I'm 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 really rusty on this. I used to be an apologist myself uh, back in the day to a certain degree, not a professional, but I used to do this all the time. But like hotheos and and kantheos, like. Hotheos means the God and like Kantheos or Theos means a God. Generic words in the English language. When there's Hotheos or Hotheos, it's it's capital G. When there's Kantheos or Theos, it's lowercase g. It is consistent throughout the entire New Testament of the Bible, almost 100 percent, except in two places in the Bible. And one is in John one and one. And then the other one is in the articulation that, that, that Satan is the God of this world. And the English translators translate the God of this world to lowercase g. And in John 1 and 1, when it says in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. They translated the lowercase g. It, it should technically be lowercase g. They translate to a capital G. And the Muslim brought it up. And it's now I don't believe what, what the Muslim said, but it was very interesting that that was the only two places in the Bible where it's inconsistent. The Greek language um, does not have capital letters. So the oh. English when translation they have to determine whether something is a is a proper noun or not or or if it has, should have a capital letter or not and they allowed all of the hotels and conteos to dictate it except in two places and so that was one of the things that he said that i said wow that's pretty interesting now i have to question why would they do that how is this grammatically consistent and things like that so when people when you look at the other side you gain a lot more knowledge about your own arguments like right. When you're in the echo chamber, everybody's telling you X, but then you go and listen to somebody else and you say, OK, like I think that to be honest, I think that Trump won the election. But I also think a lot of people didn't vote for Trump that voted for Trump the first time. I don't think most people did. I think a lot of people did. And I, and I did not know that until I until I went to my cigar lounge and I hung around people who actually did not vote for him the second time. And 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 a they lot vote, of those, you know people you know people who 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 voted for him the first time but then didn't vote for him the second time. Almost, I thought it would have been totally the opposite way. I thought everyone would have voted for him the second time but not the first time. Yeah, I, I well, you got if you look at the numbers, he got twelve million. He got like eleven million more votes than he did in twenty sixteen. So a lot more people voted for him in twenty twenty than they did in twenty sixteen. So. The, the the trend is more so that more people voted for him technically in 2020. However, older men, 60s, almost every man that I've met in their 60s that aren't like hyper conservative, you know what I'm saying? They did not vote for him the second time. Every they, single they time. They voted I run for into, Biden, huh? Every single time I run into a man. 
unfucking least in his late fifties, early sixties, and up. They all say the same thing. Oh no, I didn't vote for him the second time. His leadership, his leadership, his leadership, his leadership. Um, I was tired of the way he was tweeting, and and so I'm not saying that's a that every man is like that. I'm saying I I had gotten exposed to it because in my mind I'm like, there is nobody that didn't vote for him the second time, right? You right. know, but there's a lot of people, man, and and I don't know the number, but I hear liberals talking about it, and then I get I I got exposed to it in real life where. I run it, I'm running to all these men that secretly tell me like, no, nah, I didn't vote for him the second time. And I was, I was tired of his shenanigans. I was tired of his, uh, his outburst. I was tired of his failed leadership, the way he handled COVID and all of these guys voted for him in 2016 and they look and they're Republicans. And so it made me think like, maybe I'm not getting exposed to the other side enough to know the pulse because that's how they lost the election. Liberals are in the circle and they don't realize the rest of the world in America and, and the right and conservatives are over here thinking about this. And so they just in their bubble. And, re- and and then when the election came, oh, my God, I can't believe they voted for Trump. Well, you're not even you weren't listening to this other side. And, you know, I, wow. think, I, I think some of that happened in 2022 wow. because there may have been concerns that people had that were legitimate that were missed. And that's why some of these people didn't vote for Trump. And, and I think that even with the cheating. Trump would have still won if maybe some of these people would have not turned on Trump, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like all, it, yeah all it took yeah, in Arizona is like 10,000 people that 10,000 vote difference. And which millions of people that live here, only 10,000, he lost by like 10,000 votes. There yeah. could have been like 10,000 people in addition to the cheating. Right. There could have been 10,000 people that were turned off and, it, and that swung it. So, you know, anyway. Damn. But, but uh, you made a good point and I hope people realize this is that you live good until you get exposed to other things. When you're poor and you live in the hood, you, you're not exposed to money. You don't know how to make money. You don't understand money. Um, like, like Malcolm X, when he went to Mecca, that's why they killed him. Because when he went to Mecca and actually experienced the motherland, instead of the rhetoric that the brother, brother Islam and stuff was teaching him, he changed. Yeah. Yeah. He realized, Oh shoot. I've been, I've been living kind of a lot this whole time. This is not the what Mecca is. This is not what Muhammad is about. And boom. You you know what? Um, I, I I I there was a time in my life where I only wore Malcolm X shirts, like for a year. <laughs> I'm not even fucking with you. Like I, when I was 16, I got kicked out of my mom's house, and my dad had a uh, uh, an apartment complex in probably one of the worst towns, cities, right on the Oakland uh, Berkeley border you could imagine. And I, and I was 16 years old. I moved into an apartment there. I was the only white dude. There's a Chinese dude who slang heroin and ran the whores. And then everyone else was black. It was a fucking crazy, uh, awakening for me. And, uh, I just read everything I could on the black Panthers, but I was a Malcolm X freak. Yeah. And, um, when he went to jail, he took a dictionary and he copied down every fucking word in the dictionary. He, he, he rewrote a dictionary. God dang. And I, and and that's that stuck with me. And now, as a fifty-year-old man, I I know I know why he's he's a fucking genius because th- it's all just sorcery here. And what do I mean by that? I don't mean to be blasphemous, blasphemous but it's all just words. Whoever controls the words and the narrative, mm-hmm. it's all it's all a Bugs Bunny cartoon. Just like in the Bugs Bunny cartoon when he's like says those words and turns the guy into a fucking yeah. frog. That yeah. the that shit is fucking going on here. Yeah. You can yeah. just fucking point at someone, say some shit to him, and turn him into a fucking you know. Yep. Um, I, we're at two hours. There's, there's um, some. I want to talk about your new radio show real quick before I lose you. 
Okay, perfect. Um, are you so so? What I've what I hear from you is is that you've just always been a man who's on a mission. You've you 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 um. There's times where you've fallen off your path, and by off your path, I, I don't mean like in any uh, um religious sense. Just the, the ride got bumpy, like you went over into the shoulder, mm-hmm. and now you're you've really been on your path now for a while. And there's this been this hard um consistent work of sort of uh, a refinement of your message, a refinement of your character, and a broader audience. It all simultaneously. Is it um, scary? You're you're about to be broadcast on 300 radio stations. I mean, I mean, you're a fucking YouTube legend. You're you're <laughs> you you have really um I, um this is an observation, not a compliment. You you are really a staple in in this um in this scene, and now you're about to grow. Is is any part of you um like? I don't need to do that. I'll just stay here and, and I'm making good money here and everything's fine. And, and it, like, do you feel ex- the noises of excuses of why you shouldn't keep, um, like grow? Why? Like, yeah, a thousand percent. Is it scary? Is it scary? It, to a certain degree. And it's because of my past experiences that lead me to be more confident and moving forward today. One thing that I learned in success is that you never say no to a great opportunity and don't let allow fear to dictate the decisions that you make. Just go for it. Don't allow fear to dictate the decisions you make. Yeah, don't. Because if, I'm telling you, I've lived in fear. And, and you know what I mean? Things you miss out on because you're afraid of something that never happened. You know? Right, right, you know, right. You, you're, you're afraid of the future. And it's like, you're. you're. Yeah, you haven't you're, been to Africa because you don't want to get on a plane. Right. You're right about that. I better, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get over that. I promise. That's all you got my word. But, you know, it's it's true. And so when, when, I, when, it, when I was approached about the radio show, of course, it's intimidating. And because to be, let's keep it, keep it real. I'm not Larry Elder. You know, I think Larry Elder is brilliant. Brilliant. You know, Larry brilliant. Elder went to, went to school and he probably made way, way better grades than I did. Um, Larry Elder is a lot smarter than me, I think, as far as the wealth of knowledge, the, the continuation of knowledge that he has that's, that's way broader than mine. And I'm not a strong reader. I never was in school. I, ne- I, I To this day, I joke with myself because I read people's names wrong and all that. However, I believe God would not have opened the opportunity for me unless he wanted me to take it. And what I have learned is that when you step into it, God will make it all right. Mm. I don't have to be afraid to read on camera. I'm, I'm telling you, man, I used to be so bad at reading. And it's a, it's a mind thing, and it may be like a dyslexia thing. I just can't see the words right, and I don't read well. And I remember growing up my whole life feeling like that. People used to bully me in school because I couldn't read that good. And, and God challenged me when I worked for the Decennial Census Bureau. I used to do the do the numerate. I was enumerated with the census, meaning you go to door to door and you say, here's the census, bro. Here's the census forms. And <laughs> I like uh, that voice you use. You I loved that job. I could tell. <laughs> oh, but, but hey, I had it. I needed the work. I wasn't going to make no excuses. So I did that. And I ended up getting promoted to a supervisor position uh-huh. because I would I was where I, where I took my shirt in every day. I was professional. They promoted me to be a supervisor. But I had to read eight hours a day, four days verbatim training. Think for a person that, that that struggles with publicly reading, you telling me I have to read verbatim training for eight hours a day, four days a week. And, and that's when God really blew, blew my mind because I said, I'm afraid this is stupid. I'm going to embarrass myself, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm not going to say no to opportunity. And what I do, I read that verbatim training. It was just fine. And now going into the radio show, it's like, I'm just going to be me. Yes, I embrace the fuck ups. Yes, embrace right, the fuck right. ups. Yes, I, yes, embrace who you are. Yes, embrace, embrace who, it. I'm a perfect example of that. Lean into your, lean into right. your bad shit and make fun yeah. of yourself. Like own right. it, own it. 
Own it. It's you. Producer, what the fuck is this word? Oh, cog cognitive dis dissonance <laughs> Disson- no dissonance oh sorry cognitive dissonance i gotta i always yeah. stop my show to look up a word what the and fuck what, did that guy say what i say is i say i got a public i had a public school education so don't don't beat me up too much about it but <laughs> you know I, I i think that this is what thing i want to say to people because i know a lot of people are probably going through something similar in their life you are made unique there's no other person like you ever who's ever lived ever will live your, your your unique fingerprint is unique to you. Your DNA strand is unique to you. It will never be replicated. So with that being said, be okay with being you, knowing that there's a lot of people that like you and think like you. I, I'm not the best articulate person in the world or whatever the case may be. There's so many more people that do things different than me. I just be me and what? Millions of people like the way I am. And now that I'm going to be on the radio, I don't have to be Larry Elder. I'm going to be Brandon Tatum. And there's a lot of people that like the way Brandon Tatum talk. I don't have to be the smartest guy in the room or, you know, I'm not saying I'm not smart. I went to college. I got a master's degree or at least I'm, I'm halfway through my master's degree. So I'm not a dummy, but you could just be yourself. Yeah. God made you the way you are. Now you can. One thing you improve. better do though, if you want to be a good person, you better work on your integrity. I'm not speaking to oh, you, Brandon Tatum, oh, no, no, but I, I'm just saying to all human yes. beings, like yes. I, the only reason why Brandon can be like this is because he has integrity. And by integrity, I mean honesty. Honesty yes. with himself and honesty with the people around him. thousand percent. I tell my team that yep. every Monday. One of our pillars of success is integrity. It's actually it's actually number two on our success. It's faith and then integrity. Um, so, yeah. I'll talk you to death, man. I really enjoyed the conversation. I, You know, at first I, I didn't have much, as much time, but then after we started getting a good conversation and I looked at my calendar and we got a couple things off of it, my producer said, you got one hour with him, but I know you're going to fucking woo him. I go, I'm going to woo the fuck Well, out. I like I like having regular conversations, man. <laughs> God dang. We talk, you know, in, in this world of politics, man, having a real conversation with somebody and being able to talk about things differently. And, and you know, it's it's, it's, it's it's refreshing than just to be Donald Trump did this. And then, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, one more thing. Sorry. Fuck. I got to ask one more thing. So you went to you saw fucking. Chandler, you were up in the front row when Chandler fucking put the boot to Ferguson's face. Oh yeah, yeah, dude. We did you I, think he was dead? Were you scared? Yeah, uh, uh, I was scared at home. I was a, I, I was a little worried. <laughs> I was a little worried. I, His I legs were all worried. crossed and shit. I was a little worried, dude. I saw that in live HD. We were right there on the front row. We were three rows back on the floor, and I saw that thing hit him. Man, the sound of that going and spit coming out his mouth, and he went straight down, man. He didn't slow down. He didn't catch himself. He went straight down. He laid there with his legs crossed. He wasn't even moving. I say, man, he had killed this guy. And it looked like it. It looked like it he kind of distracted him. you from the guy being dead because he started hitting backflips and jumping on the cage. And, and it, you know, everybody's cheering for him because he's a beast, man. You know, he that dude yoked, man. He's little, but dude, you can see all the striations of muscles in his back. And that's normally not the fighters are normally not that that's that ripped. That dude was ripped, man. And that was a good fight until he kicked him in the chin and it was over. The was other Trump guy was there? No, no, not there. He was Trump wasn't there. Oh, okay. Cause I thought I also heard you say you met the president there. Oh, I met him at a UFC fight in Vegas when M- McGregor fought uh I forget his name now. So you get you get invited to the fights regularly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. God, you've made it. I just, I, you know, certain people that I know that 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 we have a mutual friendship and respect, it, it allows me to do certain things. So, have yeah, you been to man. the White House? 
I've been in the White House like seven times. Oh, fuck. Okay. Uh, two hours and 11 <laughs> minutes. Uh, Brandon Tatum here. Um, I promise you guys uh, we will give him a three-month break and then beg him to come back on. Uh, he's given us so much of his fucking time. Yeah, uh, anytime. And I, I really appreciate you, man. I, I think this is a great conversation. Yeah, we didn't get to talk about the book. We didn't get to talk much about the radio show, but um, but but, but we'll, we'll bug you again in three months. All right, All right guys. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. We will see you guys later.